Yo, this is George Dr. Funkenstein Clinton, and you're listening to The Finest Keepers Radio Show from somewhere in the English countryside, making global local in your hood. Around the world, Finders Keepers Radio Show. Every four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle function. Hello and welcome. This is a very, very, very special broadcast live from outer space. I'm Pete Mitchell, my co-pilot. Andy Botel is out in deep space as we speak amongst the space debris. He's due back on Janet 1 very, very soon. We are over the Kármán line. We are 62 miles above the Earth's surface. That's 327,360 feet. We're just waiting the arrival of my co-pilots, Shipton and Votel. Just getting the uh, information through on our space screen that, that Votel is due at gate number two. Hello, Pete. Hello, Andy. Oh, yeah. Are you OK? You're uh, running a little late here. The show is just, ab- just about started. Sorry. It's, uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's, thing, it's not, not space race, Pete. Yeah, you can't rush space, though, can you? No. You De- can- delays at Marple Station. I believe, yeah. It's cold in here. Yeah, it's well, you know, you've got to keep it an even L- temperature. Listen, it's chaos out there. I've got, like, I know this is our space show, our space rock show. I've brought that much debris with me. It's yeah. unbelievable. I've got, look, you can lift, you know, move, yeah. take this. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know what's in there, don't you? Uh, what is in there? I have no I idea. I think that's, that's quarter-inch tapes, Whoa. cassettes, like you that. found all this floating yeah. in the debris yeah. in space. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's it, yep. Yeah. Uh, what's in the... Um, this is something that's green and... No, ignore the green that. Green glowing No, bottom. dude. No, Pete, don't open! Don't open! Oh. What on earth? Is that green don't, glowing don't, box? Don't, what is in don't there? Don't be scared. Is it, is it radiation? Just, just shut the box, shut the box. Okay. We'll talk about it later. Let's, okay. let's, let's just play a record straight in with the master of all space rock, possibly the inventor oh. of, of cosmic disco as we know right. it. It's Massiera time. Around the world, finders keepers radio shows. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, okay.
You are listening to the Finders Keepers Radio Show from somewhere in deep space, in outer space aboard Janet One. I'm Captain Pete Mitchell, uh, self-appointed Captain Pete Mitchell. Captain, are you? Do you like it? I like it. Yeah. Is that what you want to be? Uh, well, I want to be Captain Pete okay. Mitchell, yeah. What shall I... Do you want... I can be the maid. <laughs> maid? Dinner well, lady. It, it does get lonely in space, I I'll have to the, say. I'll be the intergalactic dinner yeah. lady. How about uh, that? So here we are, um, as we said at the top of the show, very, very special. We are in outer space, and some noise I found familiar there. Uh, again, another sweeping statement. Did you say the inventor of space rock? Well, no, I'm, I'm just trying to make this point that, you know, Jean-Pierre Massiera made loads of early space-themed pop music, mm. but then, in like a second wind he sort of invented french cosmic disco i think mm. it was space funk i guess it was yeah, called before yeah. the cosmic disco the two are quite close though aren't they space and a french disco and yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'm glad you said you recognize the noises mm. because they're all sampled off off pierre Henry's record early right. sampling that early sampling technology right. but yeah sweeping statements yeah i've gotten a bit of bother yeah. about that recently a lot of uh, it, yeah. which is i didn't want to draw attention but the box there what? is what? Uh, can i no, leave it leave it pete okay. bit of a bit of a pain in the yeah. In the rear, really. It's you weird. are known for your exaggeration tact, though, aren't you, when you were talking about sweeping statements? Yeah, yeah, Jane. Hello. Your wife. Says, uh, yeah, with everything that Andy says, you've got to apply 70% exaggeration tact. <laughs> it's still quite funny. Exactly. And I'm sure I don't think you find that funny as I, but... Uh... No, because it's that's a sweeping statement in itself, because you only need to apply 40% exaggeration tact. Okay. To most of the I say. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the dude and the, the little fella. That, yeah. that glowing... It's me, bot, bot. It's, it's me space lawyer. Do you need a space lawyer? I know we're, you're in the music business. You Pete, do need lo- it's lawyers the, on hand. It's my legal alien. <laughs> right, that's, okay. That's him, the legal alien. Uh, he doesn't know is what a, he's doing. Is there a pending legal issue out here in space? Well, you know when we do sitars in their eyes and, and I sort oh, of yeah. cast aspersions that these are rip-offs or knock-offs or thingy? Well, that's got me in a bit of bother. I'm not surprised. So when I got to the space border earlier, they said, listen... The, the reason being, if you make a, a broadcast in space... It, as you know, it remains in space for the rest of eternity. It Can does. you elaborate on that? On that, that fact. You know, there's there's, there's some uh, science behind it. Some Is geophysics. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, signals that were broadcast when we first started transmitting, uh, 1909 or whatever. Anyway, whatever. When you say the, we, were you present? Well, it, <laughs> something to do with... Uh, uh, was okay. it Marconi? Or somebody, somebody beat Marconi. But anyway, the signals that were uh, uh, um, emitted do travel on forever, so they go through the, the Earth's atmosphere and into space, then carry on. The signals disperse, so technically, light years, light years ahead, say if we go 25 years into uh, the future, we can hear broadcasts from the, the 1920s. You're joking. Yeah, so... And uh, they bounce off space debris and space rock so all these signals all radio shows and music is is bouncing all around janitor one yeah so exactly so if i say that that latest pop hit at the moment by the the rapper is just a total rip off of i can't say stuff like that out no, here because uh, it's, it's uh, I, yeah, because it just these these things just never think yeah. and when you know the tv uh Radio presenter, a friend of yours, yeah, is actually into. Yeah. Uh, well, I I didn't. And dresses up as a. Yeah. I can't. I say, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. Uh, can't yeah. go saying that. Yeah. And Doug is, you know, when I was telling you about but Doug his, and, um, and his secret uh, fetish for. You can't, you know, because if I say it, it'll get back to him because it'll just career around space. And I'm sorry, I'm like, it's a serious business. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, laughing. Yeah. I, should take it, the, yeah. I should take these legal issues on board. Exactly. Yeah, well, look at him now. What, they, they, the they, cage oh, is rattling oh, straight away. Yeah, but yeah. He, listen, he's, he's full of himself. What is it? Hey? But you are full of. He's an absolute bull. You know, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well. Uh, uh, have we cleared that whole issue up now? Hello. Well, I mean, if you want, I can maybe play something to make him feel a little bit more welcome. Alien, alien music. What's something that uh, is familiar to him? 
Well, what about a Catalonian version of uh, a rip off of ET? There's a rip off again in it. It sounds out of this world. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Finders Keepers, second class sound. Fitting way to introduce Doug Shipton onto the, the this vessel, Jana, to one with the Spanish version of E.T. Hi, guys. It's all right, this space malarkey, isn't it? Loads of room up here. Your head's uh, looking a little bigger than usual. <laughs> Is it air pressure? Yeah. Really? You know what... that, don't you? You, you you're, uh, you grow in space, do you know that? You've grown three inches. You come and, and visit. And your, your head swells and your legs go thinner. You travel bloody 20 billion miles into the outer cosmos mm. uh, to, to join Pete Mitchell in the Keeper's Cockpit. And yeah. what do you get levelled at you within <laughs> seconds? Insults! Sounds familiar, that uh, record. There's something, uh, as always, something strangely familiar. <laughs> what's, what's, what's even stranger is you ask me what that record is every time we DJ out. And, Do I? Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, t- I would tell you. Well, I will tell you. I mean, I'm not mm. going all Northern Soul on you, but... Um, <laughs> 
that is, um, yeah, there's a lot of space pirates out here, you know. I know, it's a dangerous Fiendies, place. Bootleggers. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you exactly who that record's by? It was a, it was Please a, go a, ahead. a Barcelona TV version of E.T. Right. And the track is by... So now you can all go and buy a copy. Ah, okay. I take it wasn't a lavish production if it was a TV version of E.T. I've, 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 Lo-fi? I have actually. Low rent? I've, I've gone as far as watching a clip of it. And? It's, have you ever seen the Turkish version of E.T.? <laughs> no. ba- it's called Badi. Badi. Yeah, there's Badi, and mm. then there's um, the Tur- Turkish Exorcist. I would imagine there's a lot of silver foil in these. Yeah, if yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Talking of uh, domestic kitchen alien um, preservation <laughs> materials, <laughs> uh, I think we should do a bit of housekeeping. You're talking something, in hieroglyphics. Something that we never we never do. I know. Um, yeah, housekeeping. I think they call it housekeeping when we uh, you can get in touch and you go to the, the Finders Keepers website. So by me saying my name is Andy Votel, yeah. you can contact me at at Andy Votel on Twitter. Pete Mitchell DJ Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Doug Shipton. And this is being broadcast to you via SoundCloud, iTunes and Mixcloud. Yeah. And the Finders Keepers Records website. That's www.findeskeepersrecords, all one word, dot com. Which means it's international. I was um, filled with childlike excitement just the other day when we uh, took delivery of our first badges. I don't oh. think I've ever had a radio badge. A pin? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lapel. They call them lapel badges. Possibly. And you have a set of. We have some radio uh, badges, and you have uh, various uh, badges of uh, various acts and uh, yeah. logos. Yeah. Is it safe to say they are a set? A set of badges are available now yeah. at finderskeepersrecords.com. Yeah. Is that housekeep? Was that housekeeping? I think so. And that's the end of the housekeeping. I thank you. Uh, what seems to be the trouble? Well, it runs fine when I'm here, but whenever I get at home, something always goes wrong. Oh, well, it probably just needs a little adjustment, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For one thing, it's very hard to start, really. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me get some wrenches okay. and I'll, I'll check it over for you. Okay. I wouldn't bother you today, but, uh, I want to go back tomorrow, so I'd appreciate it. Right. Uh, listen, uh, will you start her up, please? Okay. Just let her run. I, I think I hear the trouble. Okay.
do it. Well, um, uh, what do you think? Uh, really, ma'am, I'd, I'd trade her in before you make that trip back to Earth. Trip, trip back to Earth. Yeah, did trip you, back. See what they did there. Trip back to yes. Trip back to Earth. Certainly, yeah. You see, because we're in outer space, yeah, they're yeah. going back h- yeah, home. Yeah, that's called the mechanic. Are we going to break a, a world record in space? Are we? I don't yeah. know what you got. What uh, you got in mind? Uh, was it three hundred? Somebody's just done a year. Was it Sam Kelly, the American astronaut? We could stay up here for. Oh, it's got to be specific to being in space. Yeah, right. Like so we've got to be, we've right. got to stay in space over a year to get in the Guinness Book of Records. Right. Okay. Then fancy so you, it? Right. Me and you together in space? So you for yeah, yeah. I do. I do fancy that. Can't yeah. go to the pub on a Friday. Just go to the space pub. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why? Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. If if you get hammered in like you can't you can't can you, could you fall over could you not fall over if you were pissed in space uh, pissed in space sounds like a good name for a program it does you're not allowed to drink in space you do know that really? however the Russians used to take vodka on board right okay vodka. and then they were ruled that you know getting drunk in uh, 62 miles above the Earth's crust is probably not a great I'd idea I'd order a Mars teeny <laughs> a Mars t- <laughs> I'd probably have a Saturn Sour. (laughs) Tequila Moonrise. (laughs) I've got no more on my list. (laughs) Did did you tell me that you can't be sick in space? Or did you say that you You can't can't... belch in space? No to do with the pressure. Really? Yeah. So you can't trump in space? You can. Oh, you can? You can, but it doesn't... It stays, it lingers. You can't open a window. Oh, that's funny, actually, because... Given Hawkwind, so let's get down to the programme. Right. This is the space show, the space rock thing. You know, the yeah. name Hawkwind, mm. if I'm not wrong, derives from, um, I think it, was, it wasn't Dave Brock that said this. I think it was Nick Turner said it was a mixture of being sick and then farting. Was the that's where the name Hawkwind comes from? As you go, hawk, I'm gonna hawk. <laughs> yeah, the wind, yeah. yeah, and that's uh, but given that they're space rock band, that's quite ironic because you couldn't actually hawk wind in space if your science, well, your toilet science makes sense, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I think you'd probably get away with both. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend doing either, right, on okay, board in, in, in close proximity. You see, if you drop one now, it's going to be hanging around for you for, for weeks. Hello, <laughs> I, I think, like. So let's get down to the core of this show. This is our space rock show. Yep. It's it, it is a case of how long is a piece of string. This could go on forever. We could have five volumes of this. Mm-hmm. So what is it we're, we're hoping to achieve with this show? I mean, see, it's 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 a it's a broad church. Again, it's, yeah, again, um, you know, yeah. Um, the I, I, I have always been a champion of France as the true bastions and originators of space rock. Right. Um, we can discuss that over the next hour and a half. Um, yeah. You know... Could you tell me how far... When did space rock begin? Space rock, I can think, only came from, again, P- Pierre Schaffer and Pierre Henry, the guys that made the, the effects, you know, the, the mm. concrete dudes, they, the early dudes like Jean-Jacques Perry who, who took um, synthesizer music and electronic music to the wider wider audience sound effects pioneers and, and then yeah. the people that worked at um, those studios mm. like David Allen yeah. who formed Gong mm. and then you've got Magma and then you've got that whole French free jazz movement and then you mm. know and I think this is before the Americans or the English guys with the exception of Hawkwind, mm. had really scratched the surface What constitutes space rock? 
think the genuine molecular structure of, of <laughs> space rock. Well, it w- would, would would be more theory based. I don't even know if space rock can exist today. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same as psychedelic, isn't it? You put four lads on a bloody stage and with an indie band some and then phasing. Put, some, put some phasing on it. It's like, yeah. hey man, we're psychedelic. Yeah. You, no, we're space rock. So yeah. I mean, but I think it's sort of like people who were influenced by them early comics, again, mm. very French thing, or the yeah. literature. Or, I mean, you know, if you could, it, I suppose people who read. Aldous Huxley or, mm. or Michael Moorcock. Yeah. Or, I mean, H.G. Wells, he's got a lot to answer for. War Indeed. of the Worlds and all that. I we mean, that's, you back. know, so it's, uh, yeah. And Stefan Wu, who, who who wrote The Oms, The Fantastic Planet. You know, that mm. Le Planet Sauvage French record that yeah, you yeah. always pick out when you... But I was saying to house. you that if you read about the uh, the Russian space programme, which started about 19, you know, 1900, 1905, space was... Uh, uh, an invention of artists and designers rather than you know scientists. Yeah, rather than yeah, mm. not 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 so much an academic thing. It yeah. was more of a yeah, and more aspirational. <laughs> so, well, I suppose they didn't have much to go on, did no, they? Really, no. Without the technology. So not yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. invent you know this this but, this thing. Exactly. I mean, Hawkins' first album didn't really, didn't have any synthesizers on. Uh, neither did Got Gong's first early record didn't have mm. didn't have synths on. So it was more like a, a, a it was that, such a strong concept that you didn't need the synthetic fireworks. Mm. It was like you know it was all. Uh, um, all at source. We should, we should listen to Gong, yeah. really. In mm. fact, let's listen to um, let's listen to a song from their famous forty nine pence album, uh, really? Camembert Electric. This is Faux Hat digs holes in space. You are listening to the Finders Keepers Radio Show, making global sound local.
Gong with Fohat digs holes in space. This is the Finders Keepers radio show from somewhere in outer space. Unusually, we are not in the English countryside. We've taken a journey about uh, 80 miles above the Earth's surface into outer space. How I'm, many miles are we up? About 80 miles. 80? Is that all we need to be to yeah, be up yeah, here? It takes about, yeah, maybe to, you know, not very, very, very long to get into space. It's not that dark up here. No, it's not, no, actually. No, it's still quite bright. It, it is. Space. Yes, yeah. it is, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but welcome to our, uh, our space show. I'm space Pete Mitchell. Show. That's uh, Andy Votel. We have Bill Shipton. We have a whole host of guests here in, in outer, joining us in outer space. And I would like you to, to reveal this. That we're hearing this strange voice throughout the show, and you brought right. from uh, from um, in amongst the, the space debris, you had a, a green glowing box. Right. He's my lawyer. That, what, what more can I tell you? That's who he is. Your lawyer. He's my space lawyer. Right. The legal alien. Right. Um, it, the loud music we just played has woken him up. Pete. Do, do you do you want to meet the legal alien? I would love to to, to meet the the legal alien. All right, be on your be, on your head, be it. Right, okay, move right. Turn the lights down. Uh, okay. Oh, and here he is. Uh, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, uh, hello. Uh, I'm a bit nervous. Um, probably be a bit more comfortable later on in the show if you can make me. Play some familiar music. It, it's, it's it's fine. Well, well I, uh, welcome. Just, can I just tell you uh, a bit of a cry for help? But Andy and his family haven't been feeding me, and they've also been uh, ridiculing me and doing impressions of me. Really? And I don't think that's any way to treat an interplanetary guest. No, I'm. <laughs> there. Why are you being so? Cruel to the I'm guy. I'm not being cruel to him. I've had to live. I've it's a nice live, little I've, green guy. I've come light years through space. He gets on your nerves after a while. Let's yeah. just take it from me. If we had the legal alien out now, we couldn't play sitars in their eyes. Is it Nostradamus or is it just a knockoff? This is 
Sitaras in the eyes. Okay, new slant on this episode of Sitars in Their Eyes. Right. Under new legal legislation... Space I legislation. Space legislation. Yeah, I am yeah, not yeah. allowed to intimate in or infer in any way that these rare foreign pop doppelgangers mm-hmm. have influenced popular top ten hits over the last 20 years. Gotcha. You can get that right. clear. Uh, with technology on our side, though, mm-hmm. we can throw it out to the audience. So, the what we'd like time. for the first wow. time ever, so live, yeah. genuine satellite link up here. So, I'm going to throw it out to the audience, and anyone can identify which popular top 10 hit innocently sounds like the record mm. we are about to play. They win a, spe- a, 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 a prize which is beyond cosmic. Yeah, so, you have to contact the Janitor One spaceship to through them. any means. Through any means. Through any futuristic means or whatever. Any, you know, whatever. Just, you know. Wow. Time machine? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mind powder, titanium ticker tape, or oh. um, a Sinclair C5. No matter how, how yeah. you get here, just however you're going to get here, right. get here. And uh, yeah. The, the, but the tune, genuine Bollywood record, sounds like this. <laughs>
Nobody rung yet. Anybody got it? Well, you know, so I, I thought it was one of the easiest ones we've ever done. Don't know. Uh, Don't panic. It's fine. Somebody, somebody will ring in a minute. The, the, the Just, phone's not exactly... A, a it's not melting. No, no. Oh, here we go. Here we go. First contestant. And, uh, hello, who's on line three? Hi there. It's Matt Berry. How are you? Matt. Matt, Matt Berry. Where are you ringing from, Matt? Uh, from London. Right. Got Matt Berry ringing from London. So you think, you think you're in with a chance of winning sitars <laughs> in their eyes, are you? Well, yeah. I'd, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I would like to think so. Yes. So just for clarity's sake, we've got we've got Matt Berry, and he's listened to this month's Sitars in Their Eyes. Yep. It was an Indian tune by R.D. Berman from a film suspiciously titled Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> right, OK. About uh, a womaniser who, who spent a lot of time riding around Bombay on a motorcycle, Sounds and that great. piece of electronic music sounded suspiciously like... like? Well, I think... It's an educated guess. I mean, you know, let's be fair. I think that worked war at worlds. Would I be right? War at worlds? War, 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 did you just say war at worlds? I did. Oh. Should I do the rest of it in a northern accent, or should I speak normally? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's already got my under my skin already, if you can tell, Matt. <laughs> the patronising northern accent. <laughs> war of the worlds. Yeah. War of the worlds. Well done, Matt Berry. Well done, Matt. Uh, Excellent. Uh, 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 we, we talked about musicals on the last show, which we uh, appreciated your input. Uh, War of the Worlds, and uh, is that on uh, that on your radar? Yes, very much so. How much on your How much on your radar is it, Matt? Well, a hell of a lot. I would guess I probably know more about it than you two. <laughs> right. Okay. H.G. Wells, uh, the, the late eighteen uh, hundreds. Uh, the first mention of a Martian, would you say, Matt? That this movie? Uh, yeah. Mm. Really? Well, is it, well, well, the first two sort of fuse Martians and rock and um, attack of Martians. Yeah, I think that I think that was the first. And no one's done it since. When I was a kid, I used to get War of the Worlds and Day of the Triffids mixed up. Yeah, Anything in that? Done. Yeah. Anything in that? Okay. Am I right in thinking that the the War of the Worlds as a story or a short story was was first printed in an eighteen ninety eight issue of Take a Break? <laughs> it might have been. Was it Cosmopolitan? It was in a it was in a magazine. The most exciting thing about discussing War of the Worlds for me is Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy. Yeah, he's yeah he's one of the voices. There's sort of Julie Covington and David Essex. David Essex was more famous then, I think. He was probably the big, the biggest star. Right. Uh, Julie, Julie Covington was quite famous at the time yeah. as well, wasn't she? she? Yeah. Rock, yeah. Rock, rock, rock Follies. Rock Follies. Yeah. Rock Follies was the year before. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. also did her. Th- what do you know? Her first album with all the KPM dudes with Alan Parker and Herbie Flowers. Yeah. It's, it sounds very Melody Nelson. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, I've done it. There you are. I'll oh, tape before I mention not, Melody Nelson. very long. When you mentioned War of the Worlds uh, to me the other day, Andy, I, 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 I go back to that movie that she was always shown. I seem to remember on you know at the weekends from 1953, and I liked it because Gene Barry was in it, uh, who was I think was in uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. I suppose it. Uh, uh, it almost invented the you know that the, the, that sort of concept of being attacked by people from outer space, didn't it? Indeed, yeah. You mentioned KPM. Uh, which is completely relevant because 90% of the band in um, War of the Worlds are KPM dudes. Uh, you could argue this is Blue Mink's uh, space rock record. Oh. Actually, that's a good point. It is, yeah, because you've got Spedding on there as well. Yeah. So all the amazing guitar stuff is Chris Spedding. Uh, yeah. Bass and the drums is Herbie, is Herbie Flowers. And is it Barry Morgan? Barry Morgan, it definitely is Barry, right. yeah. You can tell Barry. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's all yeah. KPM. It is, isn't it? Was Chris Spedding, uh, did play, did, did uh, Chris... Motorbiking. S- motorbiking and something to do with the Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. Chris really? Spedding, did he? Well, there's a rumour that Spedding was... Guitarist on it. ...was playing some guitars on that. Yeah. But, um, 
he's fantastic on that. There's some stuff he does on that that is pretty impressive. When we when we were doing those um, those gigs at the Barbican, the Melody Nelson, <laughs> oh, Melody um, Nelson. Uh, we couldn't get Jim Sullivan and and Herbie's always going get Spedding involved. Always try to pull. You him didn't get Spedding involved anyway. We didn't. I would have liked to meet Chris Spedding. Yeah. Well, you know he is right because the guys can't do him and. Uh, yeah, you know, he's definitely worth having. I like, I like to pride myself on thinking I know exactly where and when all these players were at any given time in, yeah. in the history of KPM. One person I don't know about, I, I don't know about Jeff Wayne, though, apart from, was Jeff principally synth man then? Or yeah, how, he was in how, the move, wasn't he, Jeff Wayne? Was tell, he, yeah. tell me more about Jeff Wayne, I don't really know anything about him. Jeff Wayne wrote the, um, he wrote all the songs for the David Essence album, the first David Essence album, which was a hit. Um, so he was a songwriter and sort of jingle writer. He wrote Forever Awesome was a butter advert or something beforehand. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is, is, that, on, is that on YouTube or somewhere? Can you... Yeah, you can get that. No That's way. on the box set. Oh, wow. That's on the box set, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. What what brand of uh, butter is I can't it? remember if it is butter. It's something like that. It's some <laughs> shitty product. That Vaseline. It could be. He was he was that sort of fellow. He was jobbing songwriter and kind of jingle writer. And then he had this idea and he just used everyone that he'd sort of worked with with the David Essex album. And he'd worked with all those, you know, with all those fellows before. But the other guy who's really notable on that is a guy called Ken Freeman, who is the synth guy. So it's just one guy that's doing all of that. Is that the same as, is that Professor Freeman? Is that the same guy? I don't know. Well, he invented a string synthesizer, Ken Freeman. Oh, my God. Uh, Jay, James, I think, Jay, did he met? Did he br- did he market them under under his own name? Yeah, under yeah, Freeman Freeman Stringson. Jane's yeah. got one. Jane bought one a few weeks ago. We're having it fixed at the moment. It's got this little this little. Bu- well, they're worth a fortune because there's not many of them left. Oh my god! It's got a little button on there called Hawaii. <laughs> right? Have you seen this button? It's like a little modulation oh, it thing. Takes you back to the beach. And it's called Hawaii. Yeah, and yeah, all, yeah. all it does is just takes it down a semitone. Yeah, for, yeah. And I couldn't understand what why it was any use for anyone. Well, it's just an organ, but he's like. It goes through a detuned sort of circuit, so it sounds like, you know, there's more of them. It's slightly kind of deep. It's very boring. And that's why he's called that's why he's called Ken Professor Freeman, then, because he was also an mm. inventor of synthesizers. Could be, yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Well, he does all the drum sounds on there as well. There's like a marching band or more of the world, but it's him doing it on the synth. That at the time was, you know, impressed everyone. It still sounds yeah. good now. But he's, um, all of those sounds were done on an arc. An ARP Odyssey, and I think in a CSA. Yeah, it it is like an an ARP demo record, really. If you take all the vocals and the concept away, yeah, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, wow. I remember the big, I remember the big fanfare when this album was released because it had Richard Burton on it, and uh, part of uh, Justin Hayward and John Lodge did something, and uh, there was a big fanfare. Were you aware of it? Do you remember at the time, Matt, being aware of this thing? Are you too young? No, I don't. I'm only 40. Uh, right, okay. So oh. when did when did you uncover this then? Um, an uncle had it. Right. And it was one of those things that I just listened to, you know, much like the Jesus Christ Superstar, the first album, just, you know, with headphones, knowing nothing about it and just being sort of terrified. Fantastic artwork and the gatefold sleeve, all of that, wasn't it? I loved all that. Yeah. yeah. You know that, um, oh God, what's his name? Um, the Yes Artist. Roger Dean. Roger Dean was asked to do it first. Is it not by Roger Dean? I always thought it was. Mm. No. Ah. For some reason, he was taken off it, but he but he, but he'd done all the work, and you can see what he's done. It's in his book, so you can see what it would have looked like. But for some ah. reason, he was cut loose. I don't know. Yeah. What's what? So what? What what is Phil Linnett's role in it then? Is he just like a... he's the parson? Is he? 
weirdly enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Plays the part of the parson who sort of loses his mind and becomes dangerous. No way. But he does it really well, you know. I mean, he sounds great. I've never, I've never, I don't think I've ever listened to it like a story. I remember, like, my mum had it on vinyl, mm. and then a friend, and then uh, somebody else in the family had it on, like, eight, like four cassettes or mm. something. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I remember, but I, I, I just used to rewind all the really synthy bits and the sort of, you know, yeah, the, yeah. but I couldn't really keep with the story. Attention span was I like the age. story, though. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, just, this, yeah, you put it on and just drift off into another world. Yeah, it's just, it was just, I mean, I, I'm a really big fan of that Bollywood version. <laughs> <laughs> The maybe they were just well, maybe good. they weren't singing in Indian enough for me. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. but, yeah, but K- KPM ARP synthesizer uh, demo record. Mm. That's a nice mm. touch, isn't it? Uh, if I remember, and I'm slightly older than you two, there was a slight bit of embarrassment of uh, enjoying something as theatrical as that. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You agree, Matt? You you're not embarrassed. I was slightly embarrassed that I enjoyed it. You know. I don't uh, think I was embarrassed. No. <laughs> like I say, I'm a bit younger, so there was no punk embarrassment. Have I gone back into the north? No, I didn't notice. I won't do it. Hairs on my neck are standing up again. <laughs> did, did, did you get my message the other day about them other... Oh, sorry to revert to the obvious here, but what about... We now? Yeah, I did, and I love them. Right, yeah. OK. That, right. Was, that was very cryptic, that message there. We're talking about Melody Nelson rip-offs, which is something which might hit... We should do as well, a... Well, yeah, but both you and Matt agree on this, that yeah. maybe we should mm. do that as a future show. But did you know that Jean-Claude Vanier... Keeping within the the the, the um, remit the remit of space rock, which we're desperately trying to do, yeah. he, as one of the Melody Nelson records alongside Melody and Barbar the Elephant and Melody on the Beach, he also did one called Melody in Space. Really? Yeah. Oh, right, and there's okay. an incredible Serge Gansborg narrated um, TV series that he did a couple of years before Melody Nelson called Marie Mathematique. And a lot of people think that's the prototype for Melody, the Melody oh, character. That's fascinating. And he, uh, and that, and Marie Mathematique was a cartoon shown on a Saturday morning drawn by Jean-Claude Forrest, who designed Barbarella. He was the creator of Barbarella. Wow. So all there comes you are. Full, all comes full circle. What was Melody in Space like, uh, the, the album? There, I've right? only heard... Uh, uh, him play it on the piano. Right, right. I don't think it ever went to tape, yeah, but yeah, he play, okay. it went once about five or six years ago. Me and Doug and Don went round and he played his melody on the beach and 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 um, melody in space. I, I never really sort of see Vanier as a synth, a high tech kind of composer, or writer, or whatever. Well, again, but he did concept. He did. Mm. If you were to ask me, did right. John Claude Vanier ever make any space music? Did John Claude Vanier ever? Make any space music, Andy? He did. Oh. He did. Um, well, he did. A, he did an alternative theme tune for for Barbarella with Michel Magnier, which Good. was never never used. Maybe we'll play that later. Yeah. But he also did this amazing thing. This guy called Penwell. Penwell, I think Jacks Penwell uh, did this this record called Astronef, and it was a conceptual record about um, some lost astronauts. Oh, it sounds good. It is good. Would, would you like to hear that? Yes, so please. Play it. Wouldn't I? Around the world, Finders Keepers Radio Show. Astronaut 328, perdu au confins galactiques. Astronaut 328. Pour un monde fort 
to the Finders Keepers, a radio show from somewhere in outer space, from the Keeper's Cockpit. I'm I'm under strict orders uh, to describe our our location as uh, thus. Uh, This is Pete Mitchell, we have Andy Votel, we have Doug Shipton, and we have our competition winner still on line two, uh, Matt Berry. Hi there. Hi, Matt. Vanier, then. uh, Unusual for uh, Vanier, that kind of style. Yeah, only did a couple of space Mm, records. That was good. See, only Vanier can do a space record and replace synthesizers for slide guitar. Mm. And I'm not a fan of slide guitar. No no offence to anyone out there. Welcome. Just, I just um, tell don't you? want the legal alien on my back. I don't want to offend any slide guitarists, lap steelists, mm. whatever you may call yourself. Yeah. Lap steel workers. Right. I don't want to offend the lap steel workers right, out there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but Vanier that does industry it industry could well. collapse on your yeah. every word there. He, um, yeah. Lost in space. Are they, is it a lost spacecraft or lost astronauts? Andy. Lost, astro- lost, lost a- astronauts. astronauts. They're lost floating around in space. Yeah. He also did the Barbarella thing. Wasn't Paco Rabanne involved with um, Barbarella? Paco Rabanne. Paco Rabanne. Haven't I just completely dreamt that? No, you're absolutely yeah. right, yeah. All the, all the outfits were designed by Paco Rabanne. There you go. Well done. Do you know the voice behind the curtain in Barbarella was played by... Michael McIntyre. <laughs> or was it Jimmy Nail? Is that what you were going to say? You've, no, you've got five guesses. Go on. Go Jimmy Nail, because you were about to say it. Or Jimmy Hill? No. Jimmy Hill? Rumbleweed? No. No, it was Jilly Smith from Gong. Was it? Oh, there you go. 
Jilly Smith and Kevin Ayres and David Allen were all uh, living in uh, in Paris at the time, and they were voice actors. So a lot like that butter commercial that you just mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Ayres, Kevin Ayres was doing aftershave adverts, and Jilly Smith was a voice actor and appeared in Barbarella. Yeah. So space rock mm, yeah. collides and takes with it hit Melody Nelson, like, um, a lot of space talk. All the KPM people who appeared on um, War of the Worlds, did Gong, you, and yeah. everything else. Did you want to be an astronaut when you were a young man? Yeah, Matt. Did space uh, come into your life did you want to go to space do you still want to go yes, to the moon i do i want to leave the planet i think that's absolute um i think that's absolute travel Leave the Earth. Yeah, absolutely. That is the uh, piece de resistance. That is the only way to go is uh, up into space, 80 miles, and you're, you're, you're almost there. Yeah. What, what, what was, uh, as a kid then, what aspect of space uh, caught your imagination? Was it uh, uh, was it Doctor Who? Was it, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, part Doctor Who and part Oxygen. Jean-Michel, yeah. Um, I thought the girl in space would look like Layla from Doctor Who, and I thought it would sound like Oxygen. You know that this year marks the 40th anniversary of an episode of Doctor Who being filmed at Port Merion, which is the setting for the Ideal Festival, Festival number six. Oh, right. Which we'll be appearing at. That's so. You've got to get yeah. the, uh, the mentions in when you can. When, when you can. So I'll see. <laughs> but getting back to something that you said that I think is interesting before about what these KPM men were doing from each, you know, from each day to day. What I always think is really interesting is if you concentrate on, say, studio number one in Abbey Road, what was going on in number two? You know what I mean? So the focus is over here, but what was going on in the other rooms on that, on that day? Every now and then there's some little sort of synergy as well which makes beautiful things happen. I, I know when Korzynski, the Polish composer, the only time he was allowed to leave Poland to work in Italy on an Italian film, he went in the studio and in the studio next door, Alessandroni, Bruno Nicolai and Morricone were all working on Not a soundtrack. And it's like, yeah. that kind of thing happened, do you know yeah. what I mean? So who who's next door? There's a bunch of those, and I've, I've started to become kind of fascinated about it, and I'm, I think I'm going to do something on it, where it's, you're focusing on this point, yeah, there's something else, you know, historical going on over there. Like, there's an urban myth that there's a Hollywood film in 33 or 34. It's a sort of getaway scene, and if you listen really carefully, you can hear sort of gunshots in the background, and that supposedly is Bonnie and Clyde being shot. Wow. And there's another good one, which is... You know these blokes that sat on top of sort of buses with early kind of video cameras? Yep. Film cameras, they would be then. So there's one that's in the 60s, and it goes through Abbey Road, and they've calculated that the time that he's on this bus, I can't remember which Beatles song it is, that it's actually been recorded as he's going past Abbey Road. Ah, right, I see. So, yeah. Yeah. Get you. So you look to his right, they're recording Strawberry Fields <laughs> or whatever at that exact time as he's going past on his bus. I talked about this years and years ago, that if you want to hear or you want to know the real history of pop music is just eradicate the Beatles and look, you know, beyond that. It's a, a history without, a musical history without the Beatles is fascinating. That's music to my ears. Yeah, I know it, I know oh, oh, you're almost slagging off the Beatles there, Pete, which is <laughs> well, no, amazing. No, no, Come I'm, on, give me more. No, give you know me what I mean? There's yeah. a, there's a, it, without the Beatles, there is a very different history of the 1960s. Absolutely. Which yeah. is fascinating. I know you've got <sighs> it. Is, is that what you mean, there's Matt? There's almost you, like the, another world Yeah, well, there, of, of course, of, of course. Of, of Turkish music and <laughs> yeah. Singapore. But I like the concept 
concept of something's going on just, you know, next to something that's enormous. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm going to tr- I'm going to get rid of my entire record collection right now and trade <laughs> it for crap records which might well have been made in the studio next door. Mm. Then that's well. Yeah. Nice yeah. nice tactic to do. I always get the impression you, there was no crap records made at Abbey Road generally. They're all I bet they're, they're, well, <laughs> Um you, I, I can name it. <laughs> <laughs> Is Oxygen? I know you're a big fan of that record. Yeah. Is, is that a sci-fi record? It would have sounded that way in 1976 or whatever. It sounded like laser guns and things. Yeah. I thought it reminded me of the sea a lot, uh, Oxygen. For some, mm, yeah, that, but, 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 yeah. Yeah. Any other, any, any, any recommendations on the sci-fi music or space rock front? Are you a Hawkwind fan, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Mostly library music, but there's a lot of very good sort of library space. Like, I mean, you know, there's obviously the sort of radio funding workshop stuff, but the, um, the chapel did a whole space rock sort of thing yeah and is your man for that yeah i'm a big chapel guy i'll have to show you my prisoner soundtrack over oh. over over 40 chapel wow. chapel libraries yeah. that's quite incredible nice, quite a nice one yeah. and dawn of the dead's quite a man my dawn of the dead DeWolf collection is is uh yeah i might gift you both which what, ones do you want? Prisoner for me. I need to get rid of all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would say prisoner queues are shit, to be quite honest. But to, if, they want, if they want a new home, just leave them here. They're waiting six months to find a record with a, with a three-second queue called yeah, Sting yeah, yeah. on it. Is, yeah, but, yeah. you know, when, when you talk about space, and I think we've, we've talked about that in the past, that we inv- space doesn't have a sound. It's, it's totally something that was invented on Earth, the, the expanse of space and the noises and the bleeps, wasn't it? Because space is it, it's a pretty dead space. So everything, you know, we have created space haven't we here on earth rather than out well we there. can't hear we well with what we're equipped with we you know it's sort of human we can't hear anything unless we make the noise everything has to be slowed down doesn't it is that right everything is slowed down millions of times so you can hear sort of bleeps and and there is that concept that uh, if you're in space you can tune into the very first radio show it's still out there dissipating the signal i like the idea of that yeah, that's what they say, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, yeah. if you go far enough out into space, you'll be yeah. able to... You, they're still and radio and TV signals are still out there. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. There's something in that, isn't there? Yeah. Do you believe in aliens, Matt? Um, yeah. I'd like to think so. We're always simply going to be the same scale as us, whereas they could be, you know, kind of smaller than ants and already be here. But the, um, the thing that I'm interested in at the moment, which I think is largely bullshit and just um, sort of tricks of the eye, are these square sort of structures that, you know, that they reckon they found on the moon. I think they're interesting, but, but I don't know. I think that's, it's easy to fake that kind of shit, really. Well, they, 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 when, they, uh, when they got stuck on the dark side of the moon, they reckon they heard music and radio signals on the other side, which is not quite true. But, you know, I like to think, you know, somewhere on the moon, they, Space 1999 had a base up there. Uh, the, you know, the angels were up there, and, uh, and it was the wow signal discovered in 1972, and they reckon that was aliens trying to contact us. Yeah, Pete, you've been reading up on this, haven't you? Just listen, here's a bit of the wow signal. There you go. See, it sound a bit weird, How do you do that? I don't know, just whisk it from uh, thin air. <laughs> what are these square things they found on space? Brevels. <laughs> space brevels. Yes, they are. No, they're just kind of shapes that they think can't be, um, you know, sort of natural formations. They've been built by someone. Right. Brevels, and, and where are they? We haven't built uh, them. Where, where can... They're on, they're on various points of the 
of the moon. There are all Twisted Nerve records. <laughs> <laughs> Misty Dixon, <laughs> Mum and Dad, Alfie, Dakota Rowe. That's like going back in time, isn't and it? That, there's some of them, and then the massive big pile of, of stuff that is almost like mm. making subsiding into the Earth's crust. Andy Votel's first LP. <laughs> Matt's, Matt only rang in to win the competition. He didn't really want to waste the rest of his day. <laughs> See, this is... Uh, this is uh, Magic radio, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you now, Matt, Pete doesn't like conspiracy theorists I don't, talking I about don't. the fact we didn't go to the moon. Well, I love talking about Stanley Kubrick directing that, that sequence. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. And that film that has a half-assed attempt at um, substantiating the mm. fact that Stanley Kubrick definitely did, did direct yeah. that thing. Well, I put it in toast. You did, didn't you? It's in toast, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because it's always something that I've kind of sort of had in the back of my head, because even if it isn't true... Very funny to think, you know, that he was in sort of like Shepperton. Yeah, I love the idea of that. I mean, that's that. That's I like the the, the idea of it, you know. And there is some there's, there is some sort of uh, argument to say that you know that lunar module and the the, the uh, Apollo eleven. There's more technology in your uh, mobile phone that was uh, there. Uh, probably speaks volumes. And uh, there was that moment where yeah. uh, one of the switches failed in in uh, the lunar module and snapped, and he put a, a, a biro pen in. To click the uh, the switch on and off of biro pen, help them land on the moon. What about that? Sci-fi soundtracks? Any any that you'd like to play while you're on the show? Well, the thing is, I would if it's all the same. <laughs> so um, the song I'd like to queue up, if you don't mind, is Harshal or Harshal. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> coming from War at World. <laughs> this is Horshaw coming from War at Worlds. Matt Berry, thank you very much for ringing in the competition. Your prize you, will be dispatched without haste, and we hope to see you in the outer cosmos yeah. very soon. And don't forget that Melody Nelson um, live thing. No, that's for Andy to do. Oh, yeah, it's for Andy yeah, to do. Little, this is a little under the under the counter. Oh, a little under the counter under, under the counter oh. business. Uh, illegal. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll definitely, definitely do it <laughs> as long as you don't mention it on the radio. So. All right, okay. I'll, <laughs> I will that keep was the stung. only profeso that says, but as long, I'll definitely okay. do it. Just don't mention it when we're recording our radio. Wouldn't dream of it. Thank you. Au revoir. All the best. Bye-bye. Two luminous, disc-like eyes appeared above the rim. A huge, rounded bulk, larger than a bear, rose up slowly, glistening like wet leather. Its lipless mouth quivered and slapped, and snake-like tentacles writhed as the clumsy body heaved and pulsated.
young men crept closer to the pit. A tall funnel rose, then an invisible ray of heat leapt from man to man, and there was a bright glare as each was instantly turned to fire. Every tree and bush became a mass of flames at the touch of this savage, unearthly heat ray. has clearly resold into this show as a all-star KPM showcase and a demo disc for ARP, talent. ARP synthesizers mm. uh, by Matt Berry. I, I, quintessentially British, I would have said, one mm. of the worlds. One, mm. one, you know, like, you would be confused if you think back to us as, as kids that, that, that sort of space was very, very Americanised. But most mm. of... We had a pretty good run in the UK with Jerry Anderson and... You know, Space 1999, obviously War of the Worlds, and there's a whole bunch of... Well, you know, if you, if, you, if you look back to, you know, Thunderbirds, that was very space-aged, even though they were on an island, but they went in space, it didn't wasn't, they? It wasn't all about Star Wars and Butt Rogers, no, though, was it? No, not at all. We had our own dudes. We did have our own our bit own. of space, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was us copying the Americans yeah. in a very British way. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 1999, for instance, UFO, all those Jerry Anderson things were great. Yeah. Soundtracks in there. Is it, is it, is they it? had a bit of a wah wah guitar going on uh, either Space 1999 on UFO, uh, UFO. Would that would that have been maybe KPM? Wouldn't that, well, Space Jets? 1990? There's an episode of Space 1999 where someone comes up and does uh, a demo of a new space guitar, stroke sitar guitar, right. okay. like uh, in a silver suit. This big giant looking dude. And do you know that. do you know who it is? Big Jim Sullivan. It is Big Jim Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I get something right on the show yeah, for look, the look, first yeah, time. Yeah, look, look for that episode. The Space Sitar, uh, Big Jim yeah. Sullivan. That was UFO of Space 1999. Which one that was, was Space it? 1999. Yeah, yeah. The one with Barbara Bain and, uh, is it Martin uh, Landrup? Something like that. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, you know, um, you know, the Ita- you know, the Italians treated Space 1999. They just took any random episode and threw them all together and made a theatrical release. And you could go and watch a film called Spazio... 1999, all dubbed in, in, in... They just made up their own story over it? Yeah, just plonk stuff together. Mm. So, mm. yeah, Maya, they, 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 they could do what they want with Maya. They just cut her and put wherever they want. And right. Which is, you know, which is probably a young... A young I like the space, idea of that. Space 1999 fans' dream, yeah. Yeah, it was quite sexy, though. Were well, those things were Yeah, cool, oh, yeah. They, they yeah, were great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, did the soundtrack? No. They redid the soundtrack. Okay. And the one that we're um, most familiar with would be... Mm. Barry Gray, I guess. Um, but uh, no, they, they as well as dubbing all the language, they dubbed a new soundtrack onto it by Morricone. Wow! And our very favourite, easy to pronounce Gruppo di Improvisazione Nuova Costanza, or Great. whatever they're called. Great Italian. Also known as uh, the Feedback Group. Uh, mm. Yeah, it were uh, amazing, and it's uh, a, a, a a classic racket, never released. Right. Want to hear it? Yes. This. Is Ennio Morricone with incredibly rare Spazio 1999. 
my first bout of space pain. <laughs> space pain? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not, yeah that's, that's, that's induced some sort of space pain, that sort of... You- <laughs> that jazz thing. If you try and dip your toe into space jazz, you're going to get it bitten off. Yeah. <laughs> so I've you know. lost all my fingers. Yeah, on that don't one. mess, don't mess around with space jazz. I know it's like <laughs> putting yeah. your hand up to a rabid dog. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what you get. That's what the Italians do it better. Mm. The Italians do it mm. harder. Yeah, that's what you get. You, you, maybe you, uh, maybe you just need a, a postcard from home. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, you, uh, you, you we, we have been up in Earth for a couple of hours now. Uh, yeah, yeah, in, up space. In space. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, well, the, the keeper's cottage is not. A million miles away from Jodrell Bank, yep. the world's biggest space telescope. All right, well, let's see if the Keeper's Cottage can beam us up at, at something to the, the, the Keeper's Cockpit with um, mm-hmm. a, a nice slice of vintage um, uh, Manx in space. <laughs> <laughs> if there's such a, there is such a thing? There is. Let's have a listen to this. Right. Spaceman landed in my garden the other night. You know what he did? He started eating all my plants, then eating all my soil... Then he started on the lawn. Well, I just mowed it this morning, so I says, Hey, you can't do that. You know what I mean? UFO up, up, up. UFO up, up, up. UFO up, up, up. UFO. So I says, Anyhow, you can come in for the blue now, seeing you've got to go all the way back to Pluto and that. So he comes in, having a blue, and starts telling me about all these new things and that. The next thing I know is mates eating my fridge. Do you know what I mean? I said, UFO! 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 So I says, right, get back to Pluto, you lot. So they got on the bike and zoomed off. But my dad said, look, because they had our tummy in their back room taking some snaps. So I thought, well, I'll go down and use the world and make about to write it down. So I did. I got it. UFO. 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 Up, up, up. UFO. Up, up, up. Well, the next thing you know, the government's on the bloody phone going, Hello, this is the government here. I've heard you've been taking some snaps of people, of spacemen and threatening people. We can't have this. We're going to light you up. This is not what you can do.
the fucking ball. Yes, there he goes. Who's pressing? Fun in space, isn't it, Andy? A lot of fun in space. UFO. <laughs> UFO. Oh, no, no. UFO. FO. Right now. <laughs> whoa, 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 fellas. Is there any need for that? We don't want to fall out here, lads. There's only three and a half of us up here in space. <laughs> that reminds me. Tell me what it reminds me of there. Um, something like, was it Canel Tommy by Ed Banger Ed- and the Nodes? Ah! Am, am I near it? You am know, I warm? You're in familiar territory, aren't you? I know you pour scorn on me most of the time, but I think... Kinell Tommy, is that what you make that record? Yeah, you, do, you remember, do you remember Ed Banger and the Nosebleeds? That was Eddie Fiction. All oh, right. AKA it... Ed Banger. I get a space medal. You get a space medal. I for get that. extra oxygen. Ed Ed Banger or Eddie Fiction, as he as he as he's known as when he got to Absurd Records, our favourite, home mm. of Jerry and the Holograms and Forty Eight yeah. Chairs, and uh, did a good line in um, making novelty records with very faintly shrouded uh, swear words in the title, mm. such as UFO and yeah. Kinell Tommy. Um, yeah. So that, that was a space version of Kinell Tommy, if you like. Seriously, I never picked up on that. Being, uh, I just thought, you know, you are uh, an identified flying object. Yeah, I can only imagine that was produced by John Scott or Martin Zero or yeah. uh, one of those dudes. In Martin had probably had many pseudonyms. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, there you go. Josh Ryan's label, uh, Fog Lane, Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Ray Bid followed by Absurd, which was very much to do with the Albertos. Mm, I mean, mm. the Albertos, aka Jerry and the Holograms, they also did a record called Space Invaders. In fact, I'll pop it on in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did a, a, a Space Invaders record under the name The. Weren't they called the Charlie Parkers? Yeah. <laughs> well done. As in Parker, yeah. Jacket, Scooter, Vibe. With a bit of a Robin Hood. The, the A-side was Ballad of Robin Hood. Right. But it was essentially mm-hmm. C.P. Lee and John Scott, who are... Interesting period, isn't it? Very. Needs further investigation, I think. Yeah, there's a, there was a third record label as well called... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh. Another, another, another part of that story. Um, all went through Revolution Studios in Cheadle, though. Mm. So there you go. Are you feeling more at home now? I think so. It takes a little yeah. adjustment being yeah. in well, space. Well, you're not. You're in oh. space, Pete. Yeah. So right. deal with it. Oh, right. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah. Just playing with my uh, sort of uh, fragility, aren't you? Yeah. Here yeah. in space. Oh man, I'm feeling a bit homesick up here. Are you not homesick? I, I don't need to be homesick because I've got a guest coming any second. Did you not know you could bring guests? No. no nobody got, told me. Did, did you get a plus one? Jane's coming any any second now. On a on a little shuttle from Earth. She's on it. She's on the way. As soon as I, she uh, heard that we were talking about space 1999, wow. so she said she'll be here in 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 milliseconds. Tell it. Tell teleporter. Teleport. I can do it now. Go on. It's Jane Weaver. Jane, you materialised out of nowhere. Hello. Where am I? <laughs> You're on uh, Janitor One, the, our spaceship, the finest keeper's spaceship. I was just having a silver mojito in my little silver spaceship mm. on, my, on the silver globe, and now I'm here, in your transported silver, here yeah. by you guys. Yeah, we've you. Had What's the, going yeah. on? We've yeah. had the teleporter fixed, yeah. but if you look down... Just change the batteries. You might not have bought your shoes or having a bit of trouble with bringing <sighs> shoes on. Right. So, You've got to wipe uh, your feet before you get out of the teleporter. Because of the rubber oh, con- yeah. concept. <laughs> it's not organic enough. <laughs> Uh, what have you been doing? I mean, uh, what, what's what's made you come over this way? Did you did you hear us on the show earlier on? I did, and and I was uh, listening to your 
go on about Space 1999. Who's the most attractive space lady sidekick? Is it Jenny Agatha in Logan's Run or is it Wilma in Book Rogers? Oh, I think I, if you get it, well, sidekick, I would go for something like a Flash Gordon. Oh, right. a, yeah. But Flash, you saved my life. That oh, one. She called oh. that, she's Russian or uh, Czech, isn't she? Princess yeah, yeah. Darla or something. Leah. Ooh. I don't know. Who's Leah? She has Star Wars. <laughs> I like her. Uh, re- <laughs> Flash Gordon. It's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, Dunning, Jamie Dunning sent his grandma once to get Flash Gordon from the video shop and she brought back Flash Gordon. Great, and, great. Yeah. And they watched it. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. That I happened. saw it at the Apollo when I was a kid. What, Flesh Gordon? Gordon? Yeah, yeah. Flash. Yeah. Flesh. 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 Really? The, the rude cartoon, yeah. Oh, well, at the Apollo? Yeah. Yeah, it was on the Apollo. Yeah, yeah. And you got that, that. Yeah. Yeah. We just had uh, talking penises in it, didn't they? Woof! Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to, <laughs> sorry to mention <laughs> the word penis in front <laughs> of a lady. My space <laughs> uh, manners have gone right out the space window. All I'll say is before you got here, we were talking about Peter saying he was feeling a bit homesick. We played a Mancunian space record and he little... Little tear Did it? emerged at the, the corner of his. Uh... I'm not homesick at all. I love it up here. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? What's yeah. it what, how, how is everyone on the Silver Globe? Just all like chilling out and having a disco. Oh, really? Disco yeah. on the Silver Globe. Yeah, in fact, disco. we're just picking this up. This, uh, this record. What have you got in your hand there? Can you describe the cover for us? The sleeve for us? Space Charity Shop, and it's the original motion picture soundtrack of Buck Rogers. Ooh. We're rocking now. We're rocking. Music composed and conducted by Stu Phillips. Stu right. Phillips. He's always confused me that name. He sounds a bit crackerjack there for us. I know when things. you come on this show you talk about your teenage years a lot was this uh, you've been a teenager when Buck Rogers was on the telly yeah definitely yeah. Was, yeah, it every, was it like BBC watch, 2 at 6 the o'clock film and, and yeah. then the series was on as well but the 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 best scene come on what's the best scene in this oh, I don't you know. know what the best scene is the best scene is the disco scene yeah it's amazing and when you buy old soundtracks you always hope that the club scene's going to be on there but nine out of ten times it's not there Right, okay. But on the record that Jane has just bought into the Keeper's Cockpit, it is there in all yeah. its glory. It, got it, this on loop. Is it called... My gaff. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, it's it's your gaff time. now, is it? Mm, <laughs> feeling, is it called fe- feeling kind of... Feeling kind of groove? Feeling kind of... Something kind Garubi. of funky. Something kind of funky, yeah, is that it? That's when, he, that's when in the scene... I mean, you can, you can Google it and stuff. You know, look at it on YouTube. Yeah. Just what, what Roger's Thank disco you. scene. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, he just goes up to the. Um, I think they're playing some kind of medieval or orchestral music on the modern they instruments. Are. The Baroque. Well, that's yeah, all right yeah. in itself. It, yeah, mm. and that sounds pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. then he goes like, goes up to them, like, like a film, and goes, "Can you kind of play something?" Give him a space like, tip. Yeah. Well, there. And starts clicking his fingers and doing a weird dad dance. Yeah. <laughs> and then this yeah. comes on. Yeah. Put put the put the put the put it on. Put it on. Put it on. This is the Finders Keepers Radio Show.
Hey, some space funk there, Jane Weaver. Yeah, glad like you to. like it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you also... If you, if you were you, shaking your hair to that. If you actually watch this as well, when they're doing the dance, when he's kind of doing his dad dance and then he's dancing with the princess, everybody around him has got these, like, gold balls. Do you remember? They've got a gold ah. ball and some, like, some kind of string, some kind of string Ooh, behind the yeah. back. Some, like, a... Dancing equipment. I get it mixed up with sleeper, you know, when they're passing the orb around. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like, like yeah, a gold yeah. orb, yeah. but they're dancing. For, they've gone from this Baroque medieval. Is it, sort a, of is dance. it a silver globe? It's a gold globe. And pass, a gold one. <laughs> oh, I right. think it's, it's one gold, up from yeah. you, isn't it? But yeah. they're using yeah. dance apparatus like mm. gymnastics. Right. Right. Okay. Love it. Love Very it. important piece. Uh. <laughs> Stu, Stu Phillips, he's proper B movie dude. He did like uh, loads of biker stuff. Angel Down We Go and something like Hell's Angels '69. Maybe not. Just one of them. Mm. Some of them Hell's Angels ones. He, was, mm. he did Simon King of the Witches as well. Oh, he did the soundtrack right. to that, yeah, yeah. Mm. And what mm. about uh, Ian Underwood, who did all... Are you reading that off the back of the record? <laughs> I might be. Wow. <laughs> is, is that who it is? Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, wow, he was um, 200 mode. Um, Hot Rats, dude. I think he's on... Oh, he was a bit it? of a... Uh, yeah, a bit of a sideman to Zappa on the, on the synth, oh, synth yeah. stuff. I'm sure he played Reeds as well, but I might be wrong. But, yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, oh, that's interesting. That's not a bad little... Um, little Thing. Little thing, that thing. That's why it's good then. That's why I like it. Do you think it. it'd be a good idea to play that in the nightclub? I think you mm. have already, haven't you? <laughs> Booty Carol has. I was in Germany at the Golden Poodle. Golden Poodle. But go, uh, we yeah, have to mention. Better. Was it burnt down? It's burnt down the gold, yeah. Golden Poodle. I can't even say it anymore. No, so gold, the Golden Poodle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, um, yeah he, he played it there one night. Right. And did it go down well? It bought the house down. Really did it? Did it? <laughs> I was like. You're not playing the Butt Rogers music, are you? I wish James was here. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there another track on that which is pretty freaky? Uh, uh, yeah, there's another sort of big stringy thing with synths on and stuff. Yeah, There it is, anyway. From the feature film, Butt Rogers in the 25th century. Not the series. Right. Yeah, I know, but... Well, I'm not. I'm telling, <laughs> telling the audience, not you. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. Telling the earthlings. Telling the massive you look, you're looking at me. Oh, like yeah. you're going to have a go at me. I'm not <laughs> looking at you. Don't bring the domestic in here. What have I told you about this? <laughs> We're in space now. Just leave that at anyway, home. Anyway, I've had enough of this. Yeah, I know. I'm going back to my big silver drink. Yeah, All right, yeah, off then. you go. Okay. Disco. Jane right. Weaver, ladies Get and gentlemen. Yeah. Say, say hello to, uh, who could you say hello to, you can see Barbarella. Anyone else out there you might bump into? Um, I saw Dave Brock earlier. Dave Brock? Yes. From, from Planet Hawkwind? Yeah, and he wants to have a word with you. Wants to have a word with us? Oh, well, I'd, I'd welcome, him, welcome him on to Janitor. Oh, guests are welcome. Can I'll we get him, him up? Know. Can we beam him aboard? We'll see what we can do. We need uh, we need a couple of engineering um, mishaps down there, but I'm sure we can beam him mm, in. We up, can do it. Left, right, centre. Do Let's it. do it. Oh, Brock time. Let's hope that works. Ooh. I am going to meet Marie Mathematique. Oh, right. Okay. Say mm. hello. Who will she be there uh, with? Say bonjour mm. with a, a space pirate. Barbarella? Yeah. Ooh, why don't we uh, listen to that Barbarella Vanier tune that you promised us earlier? Oh, all right then. Um, well, au revoir, Jane. Au revoir, Jane. Bye-bye, love. Bye-bye, Jane. There she goes, there she goes. She's disappeared.
Barbarella by Michel Manier and Finest Keeper's stalwart Jean-Claude Vanier. Wow, amazing. Uh, all round, we were just talking about the uh, the publication. Was it from a magazine or a book originally, the, the, the artwork? Barbarella? The, the, yeah. Was, um, it, was it a comic? Yeah, well, yeah, it was its own sort of stand-up thing. Uh, Jean-Claude Forrest, an absolute legend, you know, up there mm. with a, a lot of the early comic dudes. We were around at your house and we looked at a lot of that stuff one night. Very uh, inspiring yeah, for it, a designer, yeah. It, it, it's, it's amazing that it made its trip to, to, to um, the transition to live action so well. Right, you know? yeah. It did actually do one live action thing called the magicians which was which was incredible mm. uh, that was but other than that it was where did it go then after that comic did it get to theater did it did, what did it do before it went to the silver screen do you know what about the film yeah. Roger Vadim's film yeah. uh, it was a flop when it came out was it yeah was you... there was there anything in between the from uh, the comic to the movie then at all no, I think, was, the... no theater no play of it no Sort of dramatization nah, or whatever. No, it was kind of like B B movie, but yeah. Dino De Laurentiis, five year maybe almost a decade of flop and then in the late seventies it came mm. back as a as a sort of throwback kitsch sort of thing and everybody everybody loved yeah. it. Because I was saying to you it's a risky uh, move for Jane Fonda. But not so risky when she's married to the director. No, I guess, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, that was the soundtrack mm. that never happened. Yeah. That was, uh, it was it, technically Michel Magnier, who's the absolute legend, the, the godfather of French soundtracks, for me, personally, with his right-hand right, right hand man of the minute, which was Jean-Claude mm. Vanier. Jackie Lee? Not to be confused with the Northern Soul singer, Jackie Lee. No, no, I, it is. It can't be. Jackie Lee, well, Jackie Lee sang... Rupert the Bear. Right, music. yeah, it's not her. Yeah, it's not the Northern Soul Jackie Lee, not to be confused, because the Jackie did White Horses? With the same, is that the same Jackie? She did White Horses. Yeah. Are you thinking of someone different? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. There's a Jackie Lee, Shotgun on the Duck and all that. Ah, thrown out of Space Court. All those, uh, th- completely thrown out of Space right, Court. Okay, yeah. All those Space Northern Soul fans will be really? hitting, a, uh, shaking their fists at the, the, uh, the, the, the Space Radio. Right, talcum powder everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Uh, and White, Ho- record, White it, Horses is good. Yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not too sure. But an mm. Irish woman working in France with two absolute legends. As well, as I mentioned earlier, Gilly Smith from Gong. She was the, one of the voice actors in Barbarella. Mm. Jean-Claude Vanier, Jean-Claude mm-hmm. Forrest. It's a dream match made in heaven for me. That, Sounds like it. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't used. wasn't used. Mm. It, I think Bob Crew, maybe. The Bob Crew generation did the actual thing that came out. And he was, uh, I think he was... Um, on the PMRC in later years or something, you know, the people that stop teenagers listening to swearing in rap records. Oh, really? I think he was one of them sort of do-gooders. From, came from uh, another another time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that, it's alarming it. Where? It's gone off. It means a space rock legend trying to get through on really? top three. Yeah. Wow. It's probably going to be like an intercom-style right. conversation. Uh, yeah. Uh, sounds quite chaotic at the moment. I don't know who it is. Uh, can't even hear what the strat says. No, I, I, oh, I know, I know exactly oh. who it is. 
It's Dave Brock from Hotwind. Hello, everybody. Uh, the uh, the original, the inventor of uh, space rock, uh, joining us. It's a big deal, Andy. How was your journey, Dave, through the cosmos? Uh, through the cosmos. Well, I'm feeling a bit weather worn, but uh, I'm okay, ready to take off again and see the universe. <laughs> Excellent work, <laughs> Doctor Technical himself, the Godfather of UK space rock. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello. We're halfway through the show now. We've been talking about hundreds of records so far, and I'm going to level this this uh, this oblique opinion at you now. Hawkwind, widely known as the leading UK space rock band, possibly next to Pink Floyd. Do you think it's fair to say that, as a concept, space rock is very much a, f- a European, say, a French and a Germanic thing, given that bands like Gong and Magma or Ashra, Temple, Amandul, there's only one real genuine UK space rock band, in my opinion, and that's obviously Hawkwind. Now, how did those aforementioned bands affect you, Dave, and how have they affected your career? Uh, I mean, we've done tours with uh, these bands. I've toured, they've toured with us, you know, in uh, when we've been in Germany and France, but you've got to remember there's a lot of German bands like Neu and Kraftwerk uh, that were doing a lot of uh, really experimental music in the early 70s as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I much prefer that sort of era of Kraftwerk where they were covering drum kits with tinfoil as opposed to buying really experimental synthesizers. Yeah, I know, like, I mean, Rucksack being one of their well-known numbers. (laughs) Amazing, amazing (laughs) mutant flute records and and Von von Himmelhock with the big explosions. Um, Yes, I mean, there's the Cosmic Jokers were another band, a German band. Yeah, Yeah. Do you think... That given that now anybody that you can you can arguably make what you could call space rock with like computer plugins and apps these days. And one thing that's really notable about early groups like Hawkwind and Gong was that it was more of a conceptual thing. It was often based on literature. Like your first albums, they're pre-electronic music, aren't they? Pre-synthesizer, uncharted territory, maybe using delays and tapes effects, but it's genuinely experimental and conceptual and I think that's where the essence of space rock as we know it is. Would you agree? Yes. Well, I mean, you've got to remember there was bands like Silver Apples, you know, that from America. You've heard of Silver Apples. Um, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, he had about six or seven oscillators and a drummer, you know... down version of Hawkwind draw parallels with a band like Silver Apples. When we had Dick Mick uh, with us, um, Dick Mick used to play an audio generator with an echo unit 
uh, and we had Del Detmar, who was using an EMS synthesizer, which, I mean, they were sort of quite experimental in what they were doing. I mean, before that, did, did like the work of, like, in the UK, like Joe Meek and, you know, the Radiophonic Workshop theme tunes, like Doctor Who and stuff, did that have any influence? There used to be a thing called Music Concrete. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, I worked in a cartoon studio, as you see, and uh, we used to do a lot of backing tracks for TV commercials, and we used to do all these weird sort of uh, loops on, on door handles and toilet rolls, you know, wow. great log tape. Wow, Or reboxes, yeah. you know, where you'd actually make it go backwards, and uh, yeah, it was quite unusual. So let me just say, for instance, like Sonny Terry, you, you've heard of Sonny Terry. Yeah. Mm. Well, Sonny Terry's harmonica, you know, when you play one of his harmonica solos backwards, you know, so you get these incredible train, uh, and you'd have a train going, and you get yeah. Sonny Terry going, wow, wow. And you go, whooping and hollering because you go, woo, you know. This isn't far from music concrete. This isn't far from... What's that? Oh, someone got the... Was that a hairdryer? Uh, no, it's, it's the radio. Somebody decided to switch itself on. <laughs> it's all right. We're all right. Is that your alarm clock? Do you usually get out of bed at, at, at 10 to 4? It sounded like I was vacuuming the floor. Actually. <laughs> kind of, it sounded You're multitasking, like, Dave. That's what you do. It, it sounded like concrete. It sounded like Pierre Schaffer. You know. Uh, so, I mean, you're not a million miles away yourself in, in them when you were working at that cartoon studio from the likes of Delia Derbyshire anyway, are you? Because you were all doing the... The, set, yeah, the same thing. It was, except they had a lot of access to really, you know, uh, expensive uh, electronic equipment. I mean, you, you remember all the old uh, sort of radio uh, I'm talking about in the sort of late 60s down Tottenham Court Road. It used to have loads and loads of radio shops where you used to be, uh, buy all this sort of uh, ship to shore sort of um, grey painted sort of um, uh, units, you know, that used to be able to talk to fishing boats and used to get all these weird noises coming in, which would fiddle around with these loads of dials, you know. I mean, that was always quite good for recording because you used to have an old Revox, you know, and you just record all these weird sounds wow. and put it onto it with an echo unit. <laughs> so was this was this pre-Hawkwind then, this cartoon Oh, yeah, studio? yeah, this is this is pre-Hawkwind, yeah, so, doing all those weird old things like that. And, and, and where does, so this must have been between the famous Cure being on the road in Holland and yeah. starting the band. And have you got tapes of this stuff? Um, yeah, well, I th yeah, I, I have actually. I've got some old quarter inch tapes. I'm right, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably if you play them, all the, they're oxidized. They're all, they're all just stick them in the oven. We'll get them in the oven. We'll get them in the oven. <laughs> we'll get them in the oven immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you had an EMS synthy. Uh, how could you afford that? That's a serious piece of kit, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is in the early 70s because, uh, I mean, I lived in Putney and actually that's where uh, EMS's place was where they actually built the synthesizer. Still got it, actually, an old suitcase synthesizer. Wow, yeah. I still use it. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of weird electronic gear, you know, big boxes of audio generators where, you know, you can get all these different uh, audio generators. You can put them through different sort of... And they cross over, you know, if you get maybe three uh, generators running at the same time, you get these weird crossover points where they sound a bit... It, like, it affects your balance in a way because you're hearing, you know. I mean, you've got to think, uh, you know, the danger of your... I mean, I, I suffer badly from tinnitus now because of all this loud music that we've played over the time, you yeah. know? Yeah, uh, but yeah, you can do a lot of weird things with old audio generators, all right. Uh, can you explain the concept of the brown note to Peter if, he, if, he, if he's un <laughs> un uninitiated? Uh, go on. The brown note. Mm. 
<laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. yeah. We do things like that. Well, we used to years ago uh, when because we used to play at universities, and of course they used to drink a lot, you know. And with, with our our electronic effects, it used to make people really ill. You know, because of the, uh, the sound effects that were coming out of these big speakers, and uh, you know, a few times we got banged from universities, you know, because of. Uh, the music that we were playing. Three chords and loud electronics, you know. It's all you need. Yeah, yeah. about um, uh, the sound the audio in a visual sense where, where when did space kind of come into your into your life was it as a, as a boy watching uh, the, the, the TV what, what what was that what was the first sort of exciting thing about space that uh, connected well, with you? I used to read a lot I mean I still do read lots of science fiction books and I used to have all those old 50s you know sci-fi magazines I've got you know about two or three boxes of them galaxy in the magazine yeah. and, yeah, you know, like these short stories. <laughs> but even the new album, the uh, the Machine Stops, is E.M. Foster's, which is a, I think it's a sci- deemed as a sci-fi classic, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, when you think that uh, he wrote this, uh, I mean, it's exactly what's happening now. People in their rooms. I mean, yeah, uh, internet, you know, instant messaging, yeah. all of that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I'm, it's you know that's what it's all about. And then when it all goes wrong, obviously it's uh, you know people have forgotten how to actually keep the machine functioning. And when it goes wrong, nobody knows how to repair it. Yeah. So that's when things go a bit uh, you know askew in the book, as it were. <laughs> But it was quite, it's only a short story, it's about 100 pages actually, and uh, it's quite an interesting, you know, when you read it, you go, it's quite yeah. amazing, yeah, I didn't think to pull that up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is, is it safe to say that Michael Moorcock was probably a, a, an honorary member of the early lineup? I mean, that got, I mean, it's yeah. always been literary inspired, mm, hasn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely, because we used to go around his house, and I mean, he used to do poetry readings with us, uh, you know, when we used to play underneath a flyover in Notting Hill Gate, and he'd come along and... Uh, recite a few poems and we always used to read Michael's books of course <laughs> Wow! Mm. when we came to Hawktoberfest last year I was I was delighted to see Tim Blake from well he used to be in Gong as well didn't he yeah, on, yeah. On, on stage I, I, I've known Tim for 45 years you know I mean when we first started I mean he used to hang out uh, he was working as a roadie for Clearwater Productions which is uh, the management company that had Skin Alley Cochise um, High Tide and us and uh, that's how I got to know Tim. Uh, and then, of course, you know, he was he came back, uh, played in the band in 1979. And he, mind, he's been with us now. For, in fact, the, as I speak at the moment, he's in France doing a, a, a recording some new stuff on his uh, crystal machine. Right. Uh, right. So that, that's what he's up to at the moment. I mean, Tim would have been lucky enough to hang out at um, Michel Magnier's Hereville Castle, wouldn't he, with... Uh... Dominique Blanc Franchard with that amazing sort of spread of synths that um, shaped French space rock. There's this amazing single called Surf, Surf, Surf by the Saratoga Space Messengers, which has always been sort of like a 
Lost Tim Blake Incognito Nugget. We should uh, give it a blast. This is the sound of the summer, and we want you all to sing along. That was Tim Blake at Herreville Castle under the name Saratoga Space Messengers. I'm really interested in this sort of mid-period where, you know, where the stuff, the flick knife stuff, where a lot of the early space rock bands and people like Klaus Schulcher and, and Tangerine Dream have, have sort of moved into, like, new age. But you went, arguably went punk, is it safe to say? Like, Earth well, to the Ground is, like, 
to me, I have to say that's probably my favourite Dave Brock Hawkwind album of all. <laughs> Everything that happened between around Church of Hawkwind, which was interestingly on a major label, but yeah. then Dave's solo album came out at the same time and there was bit there's even this the track assassination sort of appears on both yeah. of them. well that was yeah that's that was used actually a film of, uh, about the kennedys you know uh it it, it was it was really art, difficult doing that i tell you it's really weird when you when i had to do that because it makes the back of you know hairs on the back of your neck stand up because because you know when when he, when uh you know you get shot and you hear uh, break his finger his fingers frozen on the trigger break his finger if you have to you know and and when you've got the electronics going even now talking about it i can hear all that in christ you know that's quite weird that was flick knife your label no no it's frenchy frenchy and gina gloder actually i mean it was a really good it was a really good label actually i mean they got this uh their own label together and they you know got a lot of really good underground bands signed up to them and they were a real dynamic duo actually they were <laughs> right. it was french and his wife gina and uh, i think they did fantastically well really I mean, we just carried on doing what we were normally doing, you see. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, this is what we... I mean, you think that, you know, with Bob Calvert's uh, wonderful poetry that he used to write, I mean, you know, Bob and me wrote loads of songs together. We used to sort of... I mean, we actually, after doing a space ritual, I mean, Bob was playing uh, in the sci-fi. We, we did uh, a festival, sci-fi festival in Leeds, uh, and he, I think it was about 1983, 84, somewhere around there, uh, and he had Captain Lock in the Starfighters, and we hadn't seen each other for about a year or so, and we met up, and he said, look, I've got a really good idea. Let's have a go at doing the Earth ritual, you know, which was returning to Earth and doing, you know, after the space ritual, we do the Earth ritual. Uh, which we started work on because we actually had Lemmy come and play bass on some of the tracks. Right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, Bob died, uh, you know, a few years later when we had done, sort of done maybe five or six tracks and that's about as far as we got right. on it, you know. Right. <laughs> on albums like Zones, was, is, yeah. am I right in thinking Ginger Baker was part of the band at one point? Um, yeah, yeah, he played with us for a year and a half, yeah. Right, how was that? How? It was uh, very good. I mean, I uh, got an all right. Everybody sees he's a really grumpy person, you know. <laughs> well, we got all right, all right with Ginger, actually. He <laughs> was grumpy, wonderful drummer, but, you know, that's the way he was. And, uh, you know, we had Arthur Brown with us for a year or so, didn't we, as well? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, it, We've had some unusual people in this band. <laughs> is, is it at this point that, 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 that Doctor Technical in name was, was born, or was that a, an earlier thing? Well, it's just one of those things, you know, like, uh, you know, producing albums and producing stuff, you just do a pseudonym down there, you know, rather and put your own name down. You just do a bit of fun, really. Did, did you did you start to answer to the name Doctor or refer to yourself in the third person? Oh, well, I used to wear a doctor's coat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of fans used to come to the gigs dressed as doctors. <laughs> Brave Doc, actually, is quite a nice quite a nice spin on the name, isn't it? Mm. Brave Doc, Brave Doctor. So. Yeah, I did do uh, uh, Doctor Technical and the Machines. So I think I did some weird old single for Brian Torn, a Hawk fan magazine, actually. There's a freebie to get some money for his magazine. Right. On a bit of a tangent here, sampling culture and Hawkwind. Like, your music has been reappropriated in dance music legitimately, illegitimately, countless times. I mean, you know, the track Motorhead itself, which obviously uh, Lemmy 
rest in peace, took his name from, has been sampled by Uncle and Primal Scream. Valiant yeah. 10 was sampled by Orteca. How do you feel, to, 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 and how do you feel when you hear this music played back to yourself in an entirely different context? Well, it's nice. That's what music's supposed to be like, really, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's an art form. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, look, everybody, you know, copies somebody uh, and uh, is, is, you know, and then they get their own ideas. Uh, I mean, that's the whole objective in music, isn't it? It's supposed to be experimental. Yeah, it, I suppose it's like the ultimate form of c- communication, really, isn't it? If, yeah, uh, yeah, sampling, absolutely. reappropriating. I mean, you could be in the jungle, in the South American jungle and have an old transistor radio and tune it in and be listening to something. Oh, you think, gosh, how ridiculous is that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. How absolutely. does it all work? How does a computer work? <laughs> exactly. I've got no idea. How did that happen? Yeah, why? <laughs> I sit here, you know, sometimes we're recording stuff. I thought, Christ, if it goes wrong, I've got no idea how to fix this, you know. <laughs> That's what this show's like. <laughs> That's me thinking that Dr. Tech could fix everything. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I suppose that brings us nicely onto the recent co-write that you did with Jane Weaver on the track Electric Mountain. I mean, that's that samples your Church of Hortwin, but takes it out of a a dance music context really and to my ears and I hope you agree it's she's kind of created genuine space rock to yeah that music. yeah I mean that was uh, Star Cannibal uh, I, I'm just trying to think when when I did that because you remember asking us how did that bass play because uh, you know it was done on a Fairlight computer actually I, I, I played the bass line uh, and it's really fast, isn't it? You know, flesh fondue, main course you this unearthly human crew. And I remember saying, well, how did you get that baseline? Well, that was done on a Fairlight computer. None of us knew how to operate this machine. It was a new a new gadget that Rockfield Studios, someone brought it in, one of the engineers said, look, i got a Fairlight. Wow. And we were trying to fathom out how to operate this machine. <laughs> I mean, I remember Jane, she was a massive fan of, of Church of Hawkwind. And Church of Hawkwind, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird because it came out around the same time as the Flick Knife, Flick Knife records. Yeah. And for me, I think that's one of the most interesting periods because it's the first time things like the Fairlight came in. But, um, yeah, I remember Jane was trying to play like that and no yeah. one we knew had fast enough fingers to play that bass line. Yes. And we're just like, how the hell did you play it, Dave? And then you told us it was a Fairlight. So we're like, <laughs> ah, you cheat! <laughs> Arguably, now, in musical technology, we've got this sort of temptation to self-correct. And with technology, we can virtually make any sound we like. I mean, is experimental music even possible? And with sort of space science being so advanced, and as your new album preempts, we, we're almost living in the world which is more advanced and anything which was predicted in those books in the last century. I mean, my question really is, are the new bands making space rock now possibly just novelty groups or slightly retro? The originators like yourself, it was actually a message and and uh, a vision of what the future could be like, but uh, yeah. we're kind of there, aren't we? It, uh, it's, it's difficult, you know, because either you've got to be reasonably commercial to actually draw people, or you can, or you can be so different that nobody really wants to come and see you. You know, I mean, you could do some really weird avant-garde sort of rock music and uh, play one chord for half an hour with, with electronics. It's quite interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with, you, with spoke a bit of marijuana sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, suppo- I, I suppose that's the quandary, isn't it? Because, because to me, like you know, yourself, Tim. 
any of the original Hawkwing guys, your, your Kraut Rockers, I'd be quite happy for them to stand there playing the same chord, mm. if not the same note for two hours <laughs> with, no, some, know, great, with some great oscillators. But when a, a, a young indie band gets up and starts jangling around and just playing the odd electronic effects over the top, is it psychedelic music or is it just indie pop with sound effects? Well, it, uh, it's, I don't know. It's up to the individual, isn't it, really? Rather than getting bogged down and categorised and, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, OK, there's lots of bands that might play, you know, rhythm and blues, as it were, or just ordinary straight blues, you know. But, I mean, crikey, there's a lot of really good blues bands around <laughs> with a lot of really good musicians in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with computer technology that sit, actually sit at home uh, making fantastic music. No, you're right. It has to evolve. The nature of the of psychedelic music as an exchange has, must be constantly evolving. Having said that, your new album... The Machine Stops does sound yep. like the the killer mm. Hawkwind era to me. It's, well, it ticks all the boxes. We've got Hegazone, is it, which is like your your ambient the, the ballad on there, Harmonic Hall, Lost in Science, which arguably sounds like Silver Machine too. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you something though. I mean, we're rehearsing this stuff now. It's all getting better. The more we play these tracks, the better they will sound because we've been practicing them more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you something, though, I mean, we're rehearsing this stuff now. 
it's all getting better. The more we play these tracks, the better they will sound because we've been practicing them more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was a step in the right direction. Anyway, it's a good storyline. I mean, we've got a good show. Uh, we've got our dancers, you know, that are doing the whole story of the uh, of the the son and his mother. You know, the whole sort of uh, idea behind when the machine stops. Uh, and our light show. So, I mean, we are putting this whole storyline across, so it should be interesting. Has the choreography been, been a constant since the days of Asia? Well, on and off, yeah. I mean, you know, with Stacia, I mean, Stacia was sort of uh, a bit statuesque um, beauty and with no clothes on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she started wearing costumes, you know, glamorous costumes. Uh, I mean, we've had a lot of really good dancers you know serious dancers that actually when they've finished uh, working with us go on and teach dance at uh, universities and so on so I mean, well, they we escape they escape yeah <laughs> they escape from where our grips yes <laughs> well everything's intact you've got the dystopian thing communist mind control all the perfect classic hot wind <laughs> elements it's, it's, it's called style you know chaps <laughs> ah, you didn't mention you style bogged, yeah i no, bogged down in these repetitive repetitive cause but uh, People say to me, oh, it's style, Dave, it's style. <laughs> <laughs> the machine stops. This isn't a sneaky indication of your uh, your imminent retirement then, is it? It doesn't sound like it's going to be. No, uh, you know, as long as you can keep playing and recording, as long as it's not too taxing as one gets older in life, you know, uh, you know, you can't really stop, I don't think. Good. Well, that's what we want to hear. Keep on moving. The machine stops and restarts. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dave. That was one of the most fantastic <laughs> space rock rundowns I've ever, I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pete. Before you go, Dave, would you like to play something to uh, to entertain our audience, the uh, the Finders Keepers audience, uh, a little selection of uh, by your good self? Oh, so, yeah. okay, yes, a really interesting American band called Fifty Foot Hose from the sixties. Cork, Marseille, and and Nancy Blossom. Did you ever speak to them? No, I've got a copy of it here, you know, so uh, I'll have to go and put it on. Have a listen. It's probably very scratchy now, I should imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the inimitable Fifty Foot Hose with the Rose.
50 foot holes really really had it on point as far as I yeah. I think there was a marked difference between 50 foot holes in the United States of America in that 50 foot holes had a really good bottom end and I don't know whether that was to do yeah. with the oscillation or just the fact that one was the dynamic one being New York and one being West Coast but it's pretty good to play some of these tracks because you know you think wow well, I'm glad we could oblige so Dave you'll be on your way um, into another galaxy no doubt watch out for those meteorites and asteroids I think you've got to watch out for the old black hole the you know? point of no return <laughs> okay bye bye yeah. au revoir Thanks. Au revoir. Bye, Dave. We are floating in space. This is the Finders Keepers radio show from the Keepers cockpit. That sounds like two records in one. Are you spinning two discs there? Actually, about five discs in one, that, Pete. Really? It's, that's Doug Shipton's record, that. Now, I know I'm going to say this wrong, but that was Mars 2000 by a group or a chap named Merrihead 2000. And it sounded kind of familiar didn't it really i need it it's you just, jealous it's, i am very jealous yeah it's a turkish record which basically just plays a load of electronic noises and rips off like just puts a whole big pierre Henry thing in there mm-hmm. and then loads of other famous records and just you know and that's it that's right. massive rip off thing Andy. oh bl- oh here he is the bl- uh, oh, oh, I, I, no i shouldn't have spoke right okay if you don't mind i've not yeah you know, i've had very few conversations with an alien would you let him speak go on then how are you been getting back where, where, have, are you been living in in the house with the the other humans or uh, have you been sort of uh put in the the, the shed what, what? Um, no they've just been they've just put me in the spare room they've not given me anything in the way of um, M&M's, which 
from a cinematic classics denote um, when visitors come from outer space, young children usually give them M&Ms. Yeah. Or yeah. Skittles. We seem to know a lot about, uh, you know, British and American confectionery and uh, uh, and movies. But something else that I'm quite partial to there's something that aliens are very fond of, and right. it's a staple diet. Go on, enlighten me. Ovaltine. What, 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 why on Earth is it? Uh, see what it is it's not on Earth. Why in outer space do you like Ovaltine? Ovaltine comes from outer space. Oh, does it? Yeah, it originates from outer space. It's a familiar smell in here, Andy. You yeah. like me. You should stop being so nosy and get on with your show. Oh, and I, was, I was just going to say, I'm just trying to ascertain what, what, what you mean. What would you be fa- with your favourite chocolate bar? I'm too nervous. You're throwing questions at me like I'm a dartboard. Would it be a Mars bar? Mars bar? You're Gallic. getting a little edgy, a bit defensive, aren't you? I can only imagine that you're yeah. um, the method of word association no. trying to ridicule me. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of it. Are you going to stay around for the show? I'm definitely going to stay around for the show because I, I can't go anywhere on my own. Is that because worms can't travel? <laughs> what, what do you mean, worms? I, I know what's going on here. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I've known all along you are not an illegal alien. What? You are the tapeworm. What? Right, okay, all right. Tapeworm? It was you what left me up here in the first place. Last episode on the on the ten-year anniversary, you all went back to England on your shiny ship and I was stuck up here and if it wasn't for all this de- delectable delightful debris I would have been alone and bored but look at you know don't blame me I'm not the blame worm this is this is you could wipe the whole crew out this is like alien you, uh, you know this is uh, this, this a disgrace you are you are a parasite you could have wiped the whole crew of janitor one out Andy typical I, I'm, I'm, all right Andy oh god sorry 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 what more can I say it's just I'm listen I, I, I apologise. It was with the best intentions. I wanted to pick up some bits of space debris and bits of smart tapes and stuff. I was a little bit jealous. Mm, All right, just yeah. listen. Can we just go home now? Can we just... I just want a like, friendly face. Come on the show, you know. I mean no harm. I, I, I'm sick of making this noise because it's hurting me other end. Um, I can't breathe because I'm covered in silver paint anyway. Um, it, it, can't breathe. Dude, uh, listen, I have been nervous because of this legal alien. Mm. It's all right. <laughs> listen, if that means we can get on with the show yeah. without me being worrying, looking over my shoulder. Legal issues. Yeah, that's fine. Listen, yeah. we've got one more guest coming up, um, and now we can feel free to speak to him. Right. With, you know, with a bit bit of ease. Let's just listen to. Let's. How about we just listen to some music uh, just to, to relax us all? I'm sorry. I'm. I'm really. I'm. I feel a little bit embarrassed and a bit stupid. Um. This is uh, US sixty nine.
You are listening to the Finders Keepers Transcendental International Space Fiasco Radio Show. Pete, I think Pete's doing a bit of space yeah. yoga there. You okay? Yeah, yeah, just sounding out. You all right, Pete? Looking back at the earth, yeah, I'm fine. Space yoga. Uh, since, yeah. since you've been 
relaxing there. Mm. I've been trying to fix the teleporter. Why? Got, what's wrong? Got a, pair, a pair of ladies' shoes in it, which seems oh, to be clogging up the system. Is it? Are they red shoes? It's just a uh, leopard skin. Uh, what well, they just seem to. Uh, I don't know. Have you got any of the book manuals? Has uh, it, it broken down again? Yeah, I'm going to. You got to, a guarantee? No, I'm going to have to go into Rumbelows next time. I get back to the UK and try and try and get us. another one in the sale. Yeah, see what's yeah. happening there. Yeah, yeah. Or Curry's. Might, I think Curry still do teleporters. Really? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I had a guest to summon up, but um, I suppose we're going to have to rely on this transcendental music to maybe oh. conjure up a, a space hymn, because right. otherwise we won't be able to talk to... Uh, I know you've just recovered from the space jazz from yeah. earlier, but I'm, I'm thinking of bringing a, a pioneer of, of, of that very medium back into the into the fray. So, if I can uh, help at all. Well, let's, um, let's uh, get, a, get, a, get a key. Mm. Come on, tapeworm. I think it's coming back to that. I think it's, it's working. On line three, it's Bruno Spereri. How are you, Bruno Spoweri? Well, I'm quite fine now. A little bit out in space, but that's good. I think the Doctor Who knocks at the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything is possible in space, Bruno. Well, for, for the uninitiated, regardless of finders keepers and the amazing discography that Bruno's bequeathed us with, he is very famous in the inner sanctum for making an incredible record with a drummer called Rito Weber called The Sound of UFOs in 1978. Mm-hmm. An unbelievable match of electronics and free drumming and Amazing space soundscapes and, right. and effects, but it wasn't the first space record you made, was it, Bruno? You made a, a record with Bruno Spanik back in the late sixties, early seventies. Is that right? Well, you know, Bruno Spanik was the commentator for all these spaceship radio things. He he commented all the Sputnik and everything. He was quite famous in Switzerland as a, a commentator at the radio and in TV and. Uh, then he made a, a solo LP where he talked about spaceships and I could do the music for it. <laughs> wow, did he come from a scientific background? Yeah, he's, a, he's an engineer. Well, uh, I think he was uh, uh, graduated in physics mm-hmm. and uh, he was the one guy in, in Switzerland who knew about spaceships and all about right. uh, all these things. Mm. And, and he came to you to do a conceptual record about space? Well, it was not him. It was a woman who, who did that recording, uh, Jane Peter. Yep. Someone who's been important throughout your career. It was very important afterwards for me. <laughs> and uh, Jane Jane and her husband, uh, Peter, they, they did two records about space. One was with Bruno Stanek. And the other was with Mr. von Däniken, who said that uh, aliens came to to the, uh, the Earth to populate uh, the Earth. Uh, and was he a writer or or or? A, or a... Yeah, he was a writer. He, he wrote some books about that, 
and uh, he was for, for some time he was very very famous in the whole world and and you were asked to to do let's say background music for these for these records yeah well you know at that time i was almost the only one who had a big synthesizer in switzerland that was the reason that they chose me of course there was no one who, who had a, had a, a synthy hundred the big EMS synthesizer. So it was clear that they came to me. <laughs> I take it you were the only person in Zurich who had these instruments. What was it like first bringing these instruments to Switzerland? Well, it was just a sort of adventure. The reason that I started in electronic music because I heard some early records, I liked it. And then I came into film music and as I never had enough money to pay musicians, I had the idea to, to use an electronic instrument to replace some musicians. The first instrument I had was a French instrument that was an Aunt Martino. It's an instrument that was invented in the 30s, and I could buy one that was about 6,000 Swiss francs. So that means about 4,000 pounds. Wow. And I could borrow the money to buy this instrument. Then I started to jingles, I started to do film music, everything at this instrument. Was the Ons Martinot a similar instrument to George Jenny's Ondia line? A little bit, yes. It was better. <laughs> it was one voice instrument, like you really synthesizers, but it had a fantastic uh, moving keyboard. You could do vibrato and everything. You could, could do gliding tones. It was very, very easy to play and it had a fantastic tone. A little bit like a theremin. Like a theremin, yeah. yeah. At, at this stage, it's safe to say that you're one of the key figures in Swiss jazz. I mean, you came from bands like the Metronome Quintet. How did the other mm -hmm. jazz people in Switzerland feel about this interjection of electronic music? Oh, they hated me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a very well-known jazz musician, a good friend of mine, who just said, well, he will die behind his instruments. <laughs> uh, this crazy guy, that's impossible. And the funny thing about it is, about two years later, he bought an harp synthesizer <laughs> himself. <laughs> It was impossible to ignore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always, always interests me as well, Bruno. What was the point where your music combined with space? Had you watched a film? Were you watching, uh, you know, the landing on the moon? What, what What was the space influence when you were growing well, up as a kid? Uh, in the beginning, it wasn't my idea. It was the idea of the guy who produced the record. He was very market-oriented, and he thought that at this time, space could be a good vehicle to promote this record. Right, okay. Uh, I remember at that, at that time there was a film, a Close Encounter of the Third Kind, and there there was a, a scene with, some, with a synthesizer. This was something that impressed me a lot. So one of the tunes on, on the LP was in a way quite... Uh, derived from that from oh, that idea. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know that switch from from uh, traditional instruments over to electronic instruments via mechanical music was greatly inspired by a record we, we know and love called Rolf Lieberman's Les Echanges, which instead of musicians actually assembled, um, well, in fact, on the record that we have here, it has a list of, of the musicians, which f features telex machines. Um, well, you can explain, Bruno, what kind of, what kind of, of non-instruments were on stage and how 
how did this affect you? Tell tell us about Rolf Lieberman's record. Well, uh, you know, Rolf Lieberman was a quite well-known composer. I think he was one of the first ones to write a, a jazz concerto for for jazz jazz band and symphony orchestra. That of course he was very much hated in Switzerland for that too. <laughs> and then in '64 there was a big uh, exhibition, Swiss national exhibition, and they commissioned him to build an orchestra for the advertisement for banks for for banking. Right. And uh, and uh, he had the idea to use. All uh, well, typewriters, uh, all me- mechanical sound making uh, machines. He found uh, some guys who programmed with a, with a very primitive computer. They they programmed for him this uh, this this tune. And then, as a second sort of Chinese whisper part of the project, then uh, George Grunts and mm-hmm. Daniel Humer um, did an incredible sort of jazz reinterpretation of, of it. Yeah, they, they did the jazz version of it. In, in uh, reality, even, even several ones. Uh, one is on record, and I think one is in, in a film. They, they, they did, I think they did it twice. Right. With different drummers. I think it was, was the other drummer, some, some, uh, Pierre Favre. Pierre Favre, yeah. You know Pierre, Pierre Favre and uh, Daniel Lumière, he's one the leading Swiss drummers at that time. Right, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Daniel Humer. Mm. Yeah, I, really? I think, I think in, in keeping with the show, let's play one of his tracks, uh, mm. Zutty in Space. That brings us nicely onto your collaboration with Rato Weber, which is the sound of UFOs. I mean, you've had some collaborations with some fantastic drummers, haven't you? Yeah, that's true, yeah. I found him by accident. In a way, he was a, a pupil of Pierre Favre. Pierre Favre was the first drummer in Switzerland who used a big variety of symbols of uh, strange extra-European drums and so on, and Rito Weber. He, he was then the one who followed this idea. And then, just by chance, I got to know him. It was great what, what he did. He, he had so many funny ideas evolving. 
uh, <laughs> I remember that we uh, we really cracked from time to time during a concert because he, he came with a completely new idea that I didn't know about. So we started to do freely improvised concerts together. It's almost like a dream for people, especially in in this sort of post-dance music climate. It's funny to think back that there were dream records where there's just drums and just electronics, and they're quite rare to find music like that. I, I mean, um, I suppose things like the Silver Apples from America was a rare example of just mm-hmm. drums and electronics. I suppose the music of Klaus Weiss as well, uh, his library music that he did for German labels like Golden Ring are rare examples of that, those two quite stripped-back disciplines. You knew Klaus Weiss, did you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. One of the reasons I that I worked with a drummer was at that time I hated drum machines. Right. Uh, I only thought that a drummer is much, much, much more interesting than all these drum machines that were around then. So I thought, well, I can do everything. I can do the melody, I can do harmonies, I can do everything. But what I can't do is a good rhythm. Right, okay. So you, you were willing to replace pretty much the entire band with electronic music, apart from the drummer. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and, and now... Um, History sort of repeats itself. With you, you're currently working with a fantastic drummer called uh, Julian Sartorius. Tell us more about Julian. I, I, I saw Julian at Cafe Otto the other night. I mean, I have to tell Pete, me, Bruno, and, and Julian all played together in uh, in in Zurich about a year ago, and it was uh, mm-hmm. it was exactly. that was the first time that I that I met him. Really. And uh, that was just a pure chance when I prepared that concert. I asked an old friend who run, run a jazz club, who is the best young drummer that you know? And he recommended three young drummers, and then I just asked the one who, who seemed to me the most sympathetic. <laughs> and this was, uh, and I was really, really fortunate to to get him uh, at that concert. There, Andy was Andy was here with me, with us. That was the first time that we played together. Wow. Well, well, Bruno instilled a hell of a lot of trust and confidence in me, which was probably not quite deserved. I was up against an absolute master pioneer of electronic music, which was Bruno Spoeri, and then a drummer that I'd never met before, who, who I later learned was my favourite drummer of all time. Because right. he is an inc- <laughs> he's an incredible drummer. What did you bring to the party then? Uh, what, what did you What did you add? Um, I bought enthusiasm <laughs> and fear <laughs> in equal measure. Yeah, <laughs> but it was fantastic. But I've not seen Julian for for like I say a year, and then I saw him mm-hmm. at Cafe Otto the other night, and he goes from strength to strength, doesn't he? Yeah, really. That's uh, and you know he's a very sensible drummer in one way, and on the other hand, if you give him just an electronic click or something, he, he gets in like a like a metronome. 
He's so steady. He has uh, plastic tubes coming out of toms so he can change the air and Great. add melody to his tom drums. His cymbals are covered in old street signs and he uses mm. small vibrator toys, that mm. the kind of thing you'd buy in a public toilet, to create some little drum rolls and stuff. And you could, you could, you could really stand with your back to him and forget that he was a drummer at all. He's almost like impossible to identify what instrument he's playing, although it is very, mm. very rhythmical. And mixed with Bruno's disciplines in electronic music as well as jazz, it's quite a... Uh, Sounds mm-hmm. great. It's really challenging, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, now we, we did about four concerts together as a duo, and uh, the whole preparation for his concert was every time was about five minutes. Wow. We just, I just told him, let me start. <laughs> Well, and right, in this piece, you will start. That's about the thing that we, that was about the instruction that we gave to each other. I think we've talked about it in previous years, but I think now it's a very serious concern that we're thinking of bringing this stuff over to the UK if, if, if Bruno's willing and able and Julian's um, equally as, as uh, enthusiastic, because I think everyone in the UK needs to see exactly what Julian and Bruno have, uh, have put together there. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just if we could just take things back to the early days of, um, I mean, it's interesting what Pete was saying about um, your own impetus to make space music and how it was to you more of a marketing idea that came from somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think this is a common thread, isn't it? When if you were to speak to Don Buchler or Suzanne Ciani, um, mm-hmm. it, it, almost by suggesting that serious electronic musicians should make space music, it's kind of insulting or a little bit patronising, especially if that musician genuinely wants to change the, the way the future thinks of music. I mean, put it in, putting mm-hmm. it in that, that theatrical comedy context is probably decreasing the modus operandi, really, is, isn't it? Yeah, and why, of course, in, in the beginning, with the, the earliest films about space, that, that, that's almost a cliché that, that you had to use electronic music for it. Yeah, I mean, in in modern modern sci-fi films now, you hardly hear any electronic music mm-hmm. because the novelty has mm-hmm. has decreased over the years. Uh, of course, Kubrick, he he, he used uh, Johann Strauss and Ligeti mostly. Yeah. Well, he he used some, some electronic music too. But he also used um, Max uh, Matthews, didn't he, with uh, Bicycle yeah, Made for Two? Yeah, Matthews. Yeah. On um, Cacophonic at Finders Keepers, we released music from Mathematics. I'm, I'm sure that's a. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a record that you're familiar That's one of, one, of, one of his very early things, yes. Yeah. Uh, Max is, of course, the big inventor of everything. He, he wrote the first programming language to make music with. Uh, and I must, I must say, too, he was a, a fantastic guy yes, <laughs> with, a lo- with a lot of humor and a very musical guy. I loved him. The, uh, we were together very, very often. Then afterwards, we got to know each other quite well. Of course, the the means, the, the possibilities were very, very limited in the beginning. Today, an iPhone has much more uh, computing power than all the all the computers that Max Matthews had at, at his this this position then. So. The idea was that he found a way that the computer began to compose music himself in a a certain way. (laughs) 
I wish marriage, I am a for the carriage. But you look sweet upon the feet of a bicycle built for two. It's interesting that you that you mention that Max had a great sense of humour because when you look at some of those early pioneers, especially the concrete guys in in France, it's almost mm-hmm. like their mission is so pure and academic that sometimes mm-hmm. humour goes by the wayside. But for for, for people like Rolf, who you've mentioned, um, Max, and people like John Jacks Perry, let's say, or even Walter Wendy Carlos, I mean, mm-hmm. humour is very important, isn't it? Wendy Carlos can be very, uh, very humorous. And <laughs> 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 we had very funny moments together. But uh, I must say, the, the Europeans in electronic music they were mostly very very serious their studios they were like laboratories and then i experienced the english and the american people as being very very funny people for instance that one of the funniest people that i ever ever met in my life was zinoviev the the founder of ems synthesizers really yeah yeah we were together several times and he for instance, he was at a music fair in Frankfurt, and in the evening he pretended that he had a, a company who produced puppets, right. and he, he told all told all these people about the puppets that he made, and that was there. And I cracked completely because <laughs> I knew the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how was it, you know, like, I mean, it, it sounds true in what you're saying because John Jacks Perry, for example, the, mm-hmm. the, the Pierre Schaffer and Pierre Henri sort of looked down their nose because he was trying to bring melody to concrete, which is very similar to what, what you did as well. You were using... Yeah. Well, bring... uh, Perry was one of my first influences in my life. Right, okay. Mm. Well, tell us more about that then. Because he had to go to America to be appreciated, didn't he? Well, I couldn't go to America then. It was impossible. I didn't have the money and not, not, not the possibility. But there was a, a an American rec club that was in, in the late 60s. And uh, I found that and I, I could order records by, by mail then. Right. It was very expensive, but they had all the new records that nobody else had. Right. So I, I just... Uh, looked at the uh, catalogue and when something was sound uh, had, had uh, gave an idea uh, well they made the idea to be interesting I ordered it and so I uh, got to know many many things that nobody else in Switzerland heard right and that's why you've got such a fantastic record collection now I mean you've you've written you've written books about jazz music haven't you Bruno well I, I wrote two books I wrote one about jazz in Switzerland. The second book was about electronic music in Switzerland. Also about the uh, beginning in a sort of compendium what what happened with electronic music. Wow. It's almost like your, le- your left hand and your right hand. Both both sides of your personality. Yeah, well, I, I just thought somebody has to write it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and an old guy like me who who experienced the whole time, who knew about all... Uh, who knew all these people, I don't write and nobody will do it. Right, yeah. Any uh, desire to translate them into English? Well, you know, the, uh, the company who, who brought them out, they first they talked about uh, doing it in English, but in the end, 
they didn't have the money to do it. Right. So we're cruising around space at a million miles an hour, mm-hmm. and we're about to bump into dodging meteorites and asteroids, and we're about to bump into another planet called Toy Planet, which is inhabited by Erman Schmidt mm-hmm. and uh, from Cannes on a on a sci-fi record. Would you say? Yeah, that that the idea of Toy Planet was to make music of uh, people living in a a very strange landscape. And I must say, the idea of this came first from a record of Wendy Carlos. She did a a record called Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And she she played it to me just when it was finished in her studio in New York. And I was so overwhelmed about that music. It was so great that I, I thought, well, I should do something like that. <laughs> and then, just by chance, I met Emin Schmidt. We did some some things together. We did, that, uh, we did some film music scores that he wrote. Yeah. So I helped him to record it and to, to play it. And from that came the idea to do a, a joint uh, duo record, in a way. So he came to Zurich, and he lived in our house for about two months. And then he, he left again, come back for a month. All in all, I think he spent about six months doing that record together. We mentioned earlier uh, a fantastic um, lady who helped produce your first ever sci-fi record, which was Jane Peter, who became very important in recent years because Jane uh, came running to all our rescues uh, last year, uh, helping us um, in a legal capacity after uh, a famous rapper from America called Jay-Z sampled Bruno's music. And um, that was, uh, it was an interesting time for, for everyone, wasn't it, Bruno? How did, how did, yeah. how did you feel when when you first heard that your music for a very obscure art house film from a Swiss director had been reappropriated by a, a bastion of the New York rap scene. <laughs> well, I was, of course, I was very astonished. Well, it was you, Andy, who, who called me and told me about it. You were the one who found out. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, first I was very uh, astonished. Uh, I must really say, I, I had heard the name Jay-Z before, but I, I never had heard one of his records and non- nothing of him, so I began to listen. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, it was so obvious that he had stolen that, that piece, of course. I mean, are you a fan of sampling? Because it's, it's, it's obvious that throughout your career, you've used samplers yourself, you've used um, tape music, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've used like Fairlight technology in the past. Um, you, you were probably a, a pioneer, or let's say a guinea pig, of, of some of those very very instruments early, early in the day. So you, you yourself have actually contributed to sampling culture, so obviously you don't disagree with the culture of sampling? No, 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 of course not. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a different thing if you, for instance, record a sound in nature or if you record yourself an instrument or if you record two bars or something and, and then use it to do something with it or if you steal from somebody else. <laughs> 
I, I, I think I made it as a principle never to steal from somebody. Uh, what I did, I, I, uh, I had musicians in my studio and I asked them to play something and then I used that as a sample. That, that, but I think that's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, for demonstration purposes, I did some, some sampling of, from records. But I never use them commercially. Right. I just use them to tell people how it is made. <laughs> yeah. The use of unorthodox instruments has been a staple throughout your entire career, whether that be samplers or anything from a theremin straight down to a cuckoo clock or a forklift truck. You know, and I'm sure the influence of Rolf Lieberman taught you that any object or piece of machinery can be an instrument. The music that you did for the, the, the forklift mm-hmm. truck company, Lansing Bagnall, if you could tell mm-hmm. us more about that and, and, and those cultures of non-commercial vinyl gifts which, which made up a big part of your career in the late 60s and 70s, something that we don't have over here. Well, you know, uh, of course, uh, the... The first idea what sampling could be came from Pierre Schaeffer uh, for the Musique Concrete. My first encounter with, with this was in, in the year 55. That there was a big congress in Basel with electronic music, and everybody was there. Well, Oscar Sala was there, uh, Schaeffer was there, Stockhausen was there. There I heard a concert with uh, Aunt Martino. I heard a, a concert with the Mixtur Tritonium. And then, uh, at that time, I heard the first time about music concrete. Right. And uh, it was called Etude de Schmerzfeier, a piece about sounds of trains. I think this, this piece was, was the one who gave me the, the idea that something like that could be done. Yeah. And, uh, and from that came the idea, if I can, for instance, record the sound of a machine and uh, make a loop with it that can replace, in a way, a drummer. Later on in the in the sixties and seventies, when a major company came to you, like the National Cheese Board, for example, mm-hmm. or a forklift truck company, how did you possibly explain what your intentions were? Perhaps it was very important. These years were the beginning of uh, commercials in TV. Yeah. Nobody knew how to do that because it was so completely new for Switzerland. Everybody wanted new ideas. Right. And it was very easy, you know. Today, if you work for commercials or things like that, you have uh, 50 people who know better than you what what music you should do. Yeah, yeah. And in that time, uh, very often just a marketing chief of that company came and you, you had an idea. Uh, he said, okay, do it. Right. That was a real chance. Right. Then, because then you could have uh, completely new ideas, and if that one person liked it, you could do it. On the Lansing Bagnall record specifically, would you take in like a recording console into the factory or the warehouse? How did it actually come about constructing that record? For the first thing that I did, it was for the drill. Drill, drilling, drilling. drilling. Um, yeah. 
that that was the first thing that I did in, in this way. Uh, well, I, I just I had two Revox tape recorders and I had a portable record machine. Yeah. And with that, uh, I just went to the next place where they built built something and I asked the people there to do some noise for me. Right. Uh, everything else was assembled back home in your studio. Yeah, and, and everything else I, I did with, with just these three tape recorders in my studio. It wasn't even not, uh, not yet a studio, it was just my, my uh, our living room. <laughs> and were you using concrete methods like tape loops and scissors and splicers? Of course, uh, that idea, that came that came from Pierre Schaeffer. Yeah. Before we, we sign off and talk about um, uh, Langstraser, um, we um, I, I don't know if there's anything that Pete wants to ask. Uh, back in keeping with our uh, space theme for today's show. Uh, do, do you um, believe in aliens, Bruno? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's that one dealt it's, with then. Well, it's it's possible that there's life somewhere out there. That's that's very well possible. Yeah. But I I don't think that they ever interfered with our race. <laughs> right. okay. Have you ever had any aspirations to go into space? If you had the money, would you go into sp- outer space? Mm, I think I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're never too old, Bruno. You know, I, I hate small rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Claustrophobic, yeah, I get that entirely. I get that, I get that. One of, mm. one of the beauties about Bruno, which sets him aside from a lot of the Finders Keepers artists, right. is like me and Doug and yourself, Bruno's a record collector. Right. So so unlike a lot of the other musicians, he shares that passion of collecting and yeah. no conversation between Finders Keepers and Bruno can pass without us sharing uh, knowledge of obscure records. But Bruno, are there any space records that we might not know about which you can recommend for us? Uh what could what could there be that you don't know? Te- te- <laughs> you know te- so te- much. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know the work of Laurie Spiegel? Laurie Spiegel, yes. Yeah, female uh, American, uh, American composer. That's not exactly space, but the uh, sounds are very very spacey. Uh, she was one of the first uh, women in electronic music. She's a fantastic person, and uh, she wrote uh, a fantastic interactive computer program, the Music Mouse, and she did some music that is uh, absolutely amazing. There are some records that are really, really great, and she's a, she's a really great person too. So, as a musician, over the last 50-plus year, years, is it, how long have you been in the music industry, Bruno? If you can call it an industry. Well, uh, in Switzerland, it's not an industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I started, of course, as an amateur jazz musician, but then, really, as a professional, I started in 1965. And, and you have managed to, to be a scholar 
of, of Swiss jazz, European jazz, world jazz, a world jazz, uh, a world class jazz musician. You've also pioneered computer music, electronic music. You've worked with advertising and well within the advertising industry. You've worked as a concrete musician, art. You've worked in every discipline, but you've also worked in soundtracking films. And uh, mm. Finders Keepers have probably been lucky enough to benefit from some of those unreleased film soundtracks. Mm. Within the next few weeks, we'll be releasing the music to a film called Between Midnight and Midday at Langstrasse, and that was a TV-only programme which talked about the um, the families and the people who lived around one of the most famous streets in Zurich. Um, yeah. And a, an early example of modern jazz music, fusion, and subtle electronic disciplines. What can you tell us mm-hmm. about this, this amazing record, which we're going to release uh, very soon on Finders Keepers? Well, uh, at that time, it was just... One thing to do uh, between everything else uh, was nothing special, but uh, I think it was quite original film and was interesting uh, because the film had so many different situations. It was about the brothels there. It was about the Italians living there, all the strange people living there. Because you know, Langstrasse that, that was that was Zurich downtown. Yeah. So it gave me the opportunity to do very very different styles of music in the same film. Do you think the soundtrack medium is a good place to bring this this wide variety of music? It must have been a, a great opportunity for you to bring different musicians with different disciplines, different characters, and then different methodology to uh, to, to a mm-hmm. composition, which with pop, course, music, yeah. with pop music you might might not be able to do to the same degree. Yeah, well, it, it, it's between jazz and pop music, I think. Of course, it has scenes in a nightclub. There I, I had really to imitate the music that would, was played during that time right. in the nightclub in Switzerland. Yeah. I, I tried to do a sort of parody Right. of this music. Of course, I had fantastic help. I had a, a good friend, Franco Ambrosetti, uh, one of the leading Trump players of Switzerland. I had the chance to to work with him, and he did some, some great things in that film music. And it's, it's, it is a crack team of some of the best players around from that era, isn't it? There's... Yeah, he's still, he's, now he's 75. Right. <laughs> he oh, just oh. had his birthday. <laughs> And what about Switzerland's leading electronic harmonica player? Uh, he was one of the rare people in Switzerland who could play jazz on the harmonica. Right. Penninger was one of the guys who was a very good bass player too. So he knew what to do with the harmonica. Okay, well the record is called Between Midday and Midnight on Langstrasse, which if you were to say that in Bruno's native tongue would be... Von zwölf bis zwölf. On Langstrasse. Well, I think in between dodging asteroids mm. and meteorites... and it's been a, a bumpy ride, hasn't it? ...careering through space, um, it's been excellent to, to, to communicate with Chief Commander Bruno Spoeri. Yeah. Um, through light years. Through light years ahead. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you back on planet Earth very soon, Bruno. It was great talking to you. I hope to fly near England again. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse Bruno, do you think it'd be all right if I sort of catch the lift back to Earth with you? Okay. Oh, great, I'll get me stuff. Over and out, Bruno. Over and out, Bruno. Au revoir. Au revoir. Bye. 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 Have a good time. And you. Bye. Cheers, Bruno. See you later. Let's go!
Oh. Where do you go after Bruno Spoeri? Home. There's no, there was no way you can go, is there? That's Mars. It. That's the ultimate. No, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice to go home. Venus would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have we got I'm... enough petrol in the tank? It, it, it sounds like the end of the show. It does to me. Yeah, feeling a little bit melancholy. No. Yeah. Well, my, my legs are thin and my head's big. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm, Can't I'm, belt. It was an epic show. It was an a epic show. A show of epic proportions. It was light years long, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, well, this music is um, Moomin's music. Mm. I told you I'd find them tapes. I told you I'd find some space I debris. I know. So we'll end on an exclusive. This is yeah. uh, the Comet theme. And uh, sad to see you go. Sad to... Uh, Leave uh, space. Nobody can hear you cry in space. Yeah, but then... Get in touch. We'll be back down on Earth soon. Finderskeepers.com, okay. etc. Leave some comments on the iTunes and SoundCloud, etc. Bye. 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 You have been listening to the Finders Keepers Radio Show, making global, universal. <laughs> <laughs>